Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. It's 2020. We're nearly the end of it. And this is our Christmas episode, getting ready for the festive season. And we've got plenty to talk about on this show. We're going to sort of recap the year, look at everything that's happened this season, and also you know, we're going to have a few Christmas crackers for you on this episode. We're going to, we're going to delve into different topics and different... Uh, you know, we're going to check out what's under the tree in the Nordic Football Podcast. But before we get into that and talk more about what to expect, uh, as ever, I have to introduce my esteemed colleague, Steve Wiss, at Meat Man Soccer. How are you, Steve? Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas to you, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all right, thank you uh, very much, uh, my friend. I don't think we've ever done a podcast this late into December, you know, thinking about it. We've never really had a Christmas special before, have we? Because... Usually our leagues are well and truly sewn and tied up by now. So uh, this is uh, certainly perhaps a first. Yeah, and I see your, your silver beard there. You know, you're looking a bit Christmassy and, you, you know, your Christmas hat as well. So um, I hope you're not doing any late night runs down any chimneys. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good show. Uh, do you want to sort of talk a little bit about what we've got in store? Well, yeah, we're going to obviously talk about the final round of the Elite Serian, um, which has just happened. Uh, you're going to going to go through my team of the year in Norway and your team of the, of the year in uh, Alsvenskan, uh, plus uh, a bunch of other latest news there. And at the end, we're going to do a few Christmas crackers where we sort of branch out away from football um, into some topics we wouldn't perhaps normally talk about on this podcast. 100%. This will be the show where you, you know, maybe get to know uh, a bit more about us off, the, off, off, uh, off away from football off topic. We're going to go a little bit off topic on certain topics. So um, <clears throat> we'd love your contribution as well. So um, follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod and let us know what you think of the topics we discuss. But uh, the very first place to start is the end of the season, Steve. Today was the final round in Elite Serien. You were covering it live on our Twitter feed and there's been some, well, some big results and some sort of shocks, I, I imagine. You know, you could describe it as shocks anyway. I think um, from my point of view, I saw a few eye-catching results. And the big talking point, maybe first place to start, do you want to start with relegation or do you want to start with the uh, higher end of the league, the European qualifications? Well, let me, let me just go through the results first from the final round. The final round actually started on Saturday where we had two fixtures. Molder beat Sarpsburg 5-0. Budaglim beat Vikings 3-0 uh, to actually finish with a 100% home record and uh, 26 out of 30 wins uh, and 103 goals, which is absolutely outrageous, isn't it? So those two matches were done. Um, there was They wouldn't affect the rest of the table. So, um, yeah, six more games uh, on the, the Tuesday on the, this, this final evening, Tuesday evening, uh, Volarenga four start nil, which uh, puts sense start down because Mia Dahlen are uh, in the playoffs to beating Arlson three nil, Christiansen one, Hogerson three, uh, Sandefjord nil, Rutenborg nil, Strom's got set nil, Starbeck four, Bran two, odd one to, to round things off. Yeah, and that leaves um, some implications in terms of the bottom and the top of the table. Start relegated, which We've talked about a lot on this podcast and somehow Mion Dallin, literally by the skin of their goal difference, have avoided the automatic drop, haven't they? They've they've climbed out of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mentioned on a podcast a few weeks ago, didn't I, that I, I wanted Start to go down. And um, so part of me is quite pleased in a way. Um, I gave my reasons before. I'm not going to delve into that again. But to be honest, I can totally understand why quite a lot. Of, I know quite a lot of people wanted to see Mion Dallin get relegated as well. And the reason is because the, the style of football they play. And I, this is what I will say. Start, if you want to watch some decent football on the eye, you know, attacking, sort of have a go, Start definitely did that. 
Bjendal and they've been very boring, uh, quite low scoring. They're sh ultimate shithouses, really. But I said before many a time, I kind of respect how they go about their business because, you know, it's a very, very limited club for resources and stuff. And there's only so much you can do. But, I mean, I don't know how they've managed to keep themselves alive for now. Uh, we'll talk about the relegation playoff match soon, but they've only scored 26 goals in 30 games. And three three of those came against Arlesund here. And I think they scored three against Arlesund early in the season as well. So, so nearly, you know, a quarter of their goals tallies come from Arlesund. Um, but um, I, I certainly think the playoff against Songdal, there'll be quite a lot of people cheering on Songdal because they're kind of fed up with Myrndal and style. But ultimately, it's actually kept them up, hasn't it? Because unlike Star to took a few batterings this year. Like, uh, you know, Myrndal and if they're playing some of the big teams, were quite happy to get beat 1-2, two, 2-0. Two you know, for example, they went to Buda Glint and parked the bus as well as anyone this year, only got beat 2-0, which is a pretty good achievement. Start got battered 6-0 in that game. So playing that way, for now, it's kept them up so he can be justified with, with his approach. Yeah, and in fairness to Myrndal, their expected goals, although they only scored 26, their expected goals was 40. 0.26, which would have put them uh, fifth. It's the fifth bottom in the league. Uh, but Start actually had a much higher expected goals, 45, and scored 33. And in terms of expected goals against, uh, well, Arlison were the, comfortably the worst in the league by a long distance. 84 conceded, was it 85? 85. And, um, yeah, and kind of ranked not too bad in terms of expected goals against 49.64 and. They conceded 45, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, whereas start, that's what really killed them, isn't it? To be honest, they expected goals conceded 56, and they did concede 56. Yeah, so that's ultimately the difference. record that's cost them, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, start came up, and um, I don't think they ever really believed they were going to survive. They, they there was a couple of wins that they had against like, Holgerson when they beat them 5-1 looked like they were going to get back in the race, but I don't think anyone really truly believed they ever were going to survive, whether it be automatic or, you know, via, even via the playoff, I think they'd be pessimistic. And um, they're a club that I just, I just can't get to grips with myself. I just can't get to have any feeling for them. And um, look, we wish them best, all, all the well, all the best down there in the Obos again. They're very yo-yo. And um, I just hope that the next time they come back up, because they're bound to at some stage in the next two or three years, it always seems to happen. Um, but they just come up with a sort of a better planning system. And um, and maybe they can then sort of sow some more seeds in the elite area. And they just seem a bit haphazard and confused is a good word to describe them as a club, I think. But um, they're off back down again. It's familiar territory for them. Um, but they've come back before and I certainly would expect to see them back in the league within, say, two or three seasons. Yeah, and they uh, their Twitter account um, put out a post saying, we end the season in style. We will qualify against Song Dallin to stay in the division. Thank you to all the support from our Ultras, Ultras Dalla and at 350 Web, supporters, sponsors, volunteers, and we wish you all a Merry Christmas, team spirit, effort and camaraderie. So those are their sort of uh, core values, I imagine. It's pretty good effort isn't it because they they'd had a really bad run of games they'd lost six in a row at one point during the season kind of looked like it maybe they were toast um but they managed to pull off two wins and a draw in their last four matches which is quite impressive obviously they beat start as well isn't it and that was the key to the to them really surviving at this to this point isn't it yeah they've actually kept a few clean sheets this this season me and when they've kept the clean sheet they've tended to get the result um you know i think there's about six clean sheets and maybe even seven actually or even eight so 
Um, that's not bad, is it? It's just they didn't have many draws this year. Only had uh, three draws, and two of them were actually in the opening three rounds. So since then, they've either won or lost. Now there's been a lot of defeats on that on that uh, calendar, but it just shows you that I've said it before: teams that draw too many games can often get themselves in trouble. Whatever, whether they're in the top half of the table or the bottom half, it draws lead to underachievements. Jonathan, um, you, you are actually better off winning or losing, and Mjolnir did that. This season, they they racked up eight victories, uh, which was you know start only had six and Allison had two. Strong's got there above them only had seven wins, so um, that was the key to their success. This playoff match now it's interesting this year. It's normally two legs, away goals count. This year it's going to be a one-off tie played on the twenty eighth of December at the Intility Arena in Oslo, which is Volerenga's uh, stadium. So it's a one-off match, uh, basically a playoff final. And um, the winner, whether it be via uh, regulation time, after extra time or penalties, will be an elitisarian team next year. So that's an interesting new sort of thing. Um, I actually think it suits both teams to, for it to be one match in a way. Uh, I don't know a lot about Songdell. Uh, ben Wells, though, did, uh, in the episode we had him on the show for a few weeks ago, uh, did warn pre-warners that they are a side uh, that you have to treat with a lot of respect. And he could have, he could at that stage, he said he could see them beating anyone uh, from that in the elite series in that playoff. So I think it's going to be they'll definitely give a good account of themselves. And um, you know, it's a clash of styles from what I'm aware of. I, I'm not seeing much of Songdale, but Mjöndal and physical, you know, that sort of thing. Songdale like to play the football, so it'd be a clash of styles. Yeah, and Songdale managed by Eric Becker famous uh, Leeds player at one point, wasn't he? I think he played with Alfinger Haaland as well. So uh, very quickly, if you had to put put your money on one of those two teams, who, who are you uh, tipping to be in the League to Serie in 2021? I actually think Songdal, that pitch at the uh, Intility Arena is that it will suit them, um, you know, and uh, Mjöndal and there's only so far you can do playing that style. Um, I, I genuinely do wish the, the both the best of luck. I, I think there'll be a lot of people wanting Songdal to go up though because Mjöndal and style just kind of put people to sleep and puts people off watching a bit. But you've got to respect them for that and they, they make the absolute most out of that team. Now, elsewhere, there's a bronze medal and it's uh, gone to maybe a bit of a surprise candidate, hasn't it? You know, for the first time in I don't know how long, there's a, a certain major team who's not even in the top three. Well, uh, Volerenga have finished third and actually, you say surprise, but uh, I, in my pre-season predictions, had them exactly third. If actually, if you go back, uh, I have predicted the positions of four teams exactly right. So I'm quite pleased about that. Uh, Volerenga, obviously, one I have uh, got right this year. And, you know, fair play uh, for Germo. They come up, you know what? He was, he got them bang up for this game today. He knew only, only a win would guarantee the bronze medal, and he wanted it. Like he, the 4 0 goal, the game's done. He's still, I've, I've said this before, he's celebrating on the sidelines. You know, he's really giving it large. Come on, you know. And he doesn't care about relegating start or anything like that. He just wants to get that that bronze medal. And I saw something there from them. And you know what? I, I could see them, him winning the league here one day if they just stay faithful with him. Um, he's got the fight. 55 points is not a bad tally, you know. They're only about 10 points off potentially winning the league there in, the, in a normal year. I mean, this is a freak here, what Buda Glint have achieved. So third place for them. Rosenborg in fourth. They still get a European place in the Conference League. Uh, but it was a poor year. They started with a nil-nil draw. They finished with a nil-nil draw. And, you know, it kind of sums up their year. Um, lack of goals for me has, has cost them. They've been been quite lucky, really, haven't they, to even get in Europe because uh, there's been some changes to the league structure and no Norwegian Cup. 
So they've really got out of jail, haven't they, Rosenbaum? I, I think they have. Um, like I say, there's, a, there's a times this year where they've been so poor. Um, Keener Christiansen could easily have sneaked fourth if they'd just... I mean, Christiansen only won one of the last four games. They just needed to convert a couple of them and they're fourth themselves. Viking, I feel Viking could have made a run at them as well. But um, the early season form cost Viking. So it was a pretty poor fourth. They've, they've really laboured home. And, um, you know, it really just summed them up. They started the year with a with a nil-nil nil and they finished it with a nil-nil. Uh, there's things they've got to address in the off-season. Um, you know, lack of goals. I could do a whole podcast on Rosenborg. You know, it's, it's, it's the issues they've got. Well, maybe we will do that at some point because this is the Nordic Football Podcast. So, you know, you, you, we, we, we may well need to do an episode then because, you know, when I saw the table and saw them fourth, I was pretty shocked, to be honest. I think it's um, for such a big club, that's that's a pretty sharp decline. Nearly 30 points behind Glimp, Buda Glimp, the title winners, 29 points in the end behind them. That is a pretty, even 10 points behind second, Steve. That is pretty shocking. So um, let me just run through the table. Um, for our listeners, we got Buda Glimt in first, therefore, this is the final table of 2020. Buda Glimt in first, uh, Mulder second, Walrenga third, Rosenborg finished fourth, Christensen fifth. Excellent from Christensen, isn't it? That's some achievement. Viking sixth, Odd seventh, Starbeck eighth, Haugerson ninth, Brand tenth, Sandefjord eleventh, Sarpsborg twelfth, Stroms Goodset thirteenth, Mjondalen fourteenth in the relegation playoff. And relegated and in Obos next season start and Arlison. Steve, I've got a couple of questions on some of these teams before we move on to your team of the season. Uh, I want to ask you very quickly. You know, we did talk about start there. Just, just, just quickly on that. Is that decision about the playoffs? Is that uh, because of COVID or is that a new sort of ongoing rule? The one. Oh, yeah, darling. yeah. It's, it's because the. I mean, these are unprecedented times. I mean, the playoff is normally done over two legs in the in the first two weeks in December. They've got to get this season wrapped up. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I, t- and I totally agree with them. I think it's the right thing to do. They can't be faffing around with two legs. Also, you've got to look at potentially some of the grounds wouldn't have been able to host at this time of year. You know, like mm. Randheim uh, were in the mixer. I mean, that's up there in, in Trondheim. Um, <laughs> you could get snow any time of day up there this time of year. Um, there was a couple of others as well. I'm not sure exactly where they're from. Um, but uh, they had to pick a, a place they knew they can get the game on um, and, and they didn't get done quickly. So, oh, I mean, do you like, uh, do you, it comes out, do, do you like two-legged playoffs? Do you like one-legged playoffs? I think there's a case for both. But I, I, you know, one thing I really like about it, no away goals. I hate the away goals rule. It's absolute bullshit. So that takes this out of the equation. So I'm really pleased. I think we'll get a better game with it being one match. And yeah, I mean, just finally on start, I mean, they're, they're sort of it's quite a strange club, aren't they? And there's been some s- differing opinions on Twitter, for example. Some people sad to see them go. Some people maybe not so sad to see them go. They, they have a bit of a reputation, don't they, within Norway? And, and they're kind of, they're a team that isn't really getting things right, are they? But there's some potential there, isn't there? So I know you, you're not too happy with them in general, but um, what's the general overview of start? What, what do they need to do to reassert themselves or are they a yo-yo club traditionally you know should we expect them to come back again what what uh, what are the issues there that need to be addressed uh you say should we expect them to come back the answer is yes because pretty much any team that's been relegated from this league from the elite area in the last 10 years even at some stage that they usually find their way back into the top flight fairly quickly 
Um, often it's an instant return for some. Uh, others like Songdal, I think they got relegated two or three years back and they're in the playoff, could, could maybe do it again. But it's just, there's a big gulf for me at times between the, the top half of that Obos and and the rest of it. So I would expect they would go down. They'd be pretty competitive. They've become quite a mercenary club for me. Uh, I've said this before. Um, this They have developed some young talent. Uh, let's give them some credit. Christopher Ayer went through that system. Look where he is now. He's a really good player. Uh, they've got, like, you know, Jesper Darlin's been fantastic this year. So they have at times developed some good young talent. But I just feel like this year they kind of they, they, they panicked a bit. They brought they brought in a couple of old mercenaries. Just just go with what you got, which, which was okay. I know that they, they kind of it just felt like they were trying to buy their way out of trouble. And I know in the past as well, the year that Mark Dempsey um, was manager, for example. There was a few ill feelings around down there about the, the way they were going about um, the, their business sort of thing. Uh, you're right. There's quite a few mixed opinions about start, and uh, I, I, yeah, some, you know, sad to see them go. Others quite happy to to see them on their bike again. Really, mm. I just can't get a personal feeling for them myself. I just I can't get a connection with that club. That's my issue with them. Yeah, and you've you sort of said that before, and uh, you know, I managed to work a few of their fans, I think, by by some of your comments. But uh, fair enough, goodbye to start, and you know, maybe we'll see you in twenty twenty two. But uh, you know, for for now, they they got some problems that they need to address. We have a question as well, uh, one team, Steve, and it's from uh, listener Ben Jack at Ben Jack ninety four, and he says, "What do Brand need to do in the off season to get back to being a top side in the league?" Because if you look at the table there, as I just read it out, Brand. Uh, you know, pretty low down, aren't they, in 10th? Disappointing season for them. Yeah, the biggest underachievers in the league. Pre-season, they had a, a squad on paper, which I think could have challenged for the league. Um, but mismanagement, the squad itself isn't that bad. I think with a few signings in the right places, they can kick on again. And, and obviously, the, the management, they need to get that a good off-season with Carter and Gabrickson, uh, develop a, a sort of an identity. They need to improve the home record. I do actually think they're one of the fans... Um, Sorry, one of the teams where they've really missed extra fans this year. It's one of the biggest um, stadiums in the country domestically, and um, I, I mean they've got the f- they beat odd in the final round, but there's nothing at stake there. They finished with the fourth worst home record for a long time this season. It was like the second worst behind Arsenal, so they just had no home field dominance, which traditionally they, they've had in the past. So they need that will improve in 2021. It's difficult to see them not going up the table just by default, to be honest, John. Um, it's Tent is really low for them. Um, they just need to make sure they get the right players in, like I say, and have a really good off season with the with the manager. Get a proper tactical identity. Play the football he, the style he wants to play. It. Yeah, and um, you know, Brand are historically quite a big club, aren't they? They're one of the top ten in terms of uh, title winners uh, in 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 Norway, but they haven't won the titles. You know, for, for it's going to be fourteen years now um, since they last won it. So. A lot of work there for what is quite a big club, to be fair to them. Um, but um, another question we have, and we have to end this sort of, this is a Christmas show at the end of the day, looking back on the year, and we cannot end this episode without talking about, as we've done so often this season, uh, Buda Glimt. And we have a question from, I hope I get this right, Pasit Akarapong Pisagti. I hope I get that right. Um, thank you so much for your question. And he says, with a potential exodus on the cards, any eyes on a potential replacement or for outgoers at Glimt? Oh, good question. Tough question. I can't really give you an answer there. But one thing I will say is that they have been, it's been a conveyor belt of talent that they've been signing the last two or three years. 
um, like youngsters like Genecti, Solbakken, um, guys from their own academy, of course, remember, um, that uh, have done really well recently. So I think it'd be a mixture of that. There's pro they're probably eyeing up a couple of players from, they're quite happy to go down the lower leagues of Udeglimt, outside of the elitus area, like Obos and even below, and they can pick up some decent talent down there. That is not an area I'm that familiar with. So, you know, they're probably eyeing up players that I personally never heard of myself, but that's how good their network is. Yeah, and thank you to Pass It and thank you for listening to the show, of course. Yeah, maybe if they want to look at the Obos Ligue and then, you know, there's quite a few players they could, could pick from there, isn't there? There's always talents um, at that level. So, you know, we'll see see what they do. But uh, it's been a fantastic season for Glim, as we've said. And, you know, for them to crack 100 goals as well, you know, a really, really good year. Maybe they'll look at someone like uh, Eric Tonner at Ranheim. Well, he's a bit old now. He's 29, but he is the... Uh, top player in Obos League and for goals and assists combined um, with 24. So maybe someone like that they'd look at, but they tend to go for younger players, don't they? So who knows? Maybe they'll, they'll look elsewhere. But um, moving on, and uh, thanks for your listening questions, guys. We're going to open a Christmas cracker now. And Steve, you're going to do the honours. We're going to pull this cracker. So during the course of this episode, we're going to pull a few crackers as we go along. And we're going to discuss whatever the outcome is of that cracker aren't we, for a few minutes. So, Steve, do you want to do the honours? I didn't realise. We I thought we were doing this at the end. We're going to do one now. Christmas <laughs> surprise, mate. <laughs> right, let's pull, let's, let's pull this cracker then. And I'll come up with a topic that's coming out of it. And what we're going to be talking about here is <laughs> top three beards. Top three beers it is. So what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to be pulling Christmas crackers. And that is what you've got out of your cracker. So we've actually had a few listeners give their own verdicts. And I'm going to go for a couple now before you give your verdict, Steve. You've got one minute to give your verdict. So get, your, get, get thinking. Uh, we've got at here for football, team overs. Uh, loyal listener of the podcast, thank you for your listening all this uh, this year. He says, in no order, Budweiser, Old Reliable, Tecate, and Dallas Blonde. Three pretty good choices there. I'm not too familiar with Tecate, to be fair. And who else have we got? We've got Ted Cruz Ain't My Son at CJ. He says, Stone Delicious IPA, Yellow Springs Boat Show IPA, and Flathead Bumblebee IPA, which, I have to be honest, I don't even know if they really exist. But if they do, <laughs> sound they sound delicious. They sound crap beautiful, don't they? And one more, which is a fan of your garden who just, uh, at diff, diff in English, he just literally posted a picture of three of the same beers, a your garden beer called Luis Lager, and said that he'll have three of those, So, which is fair enough. Uh, so thank you for your comments, guys. Steve, what is he voted on Christmas Cracker number one? Your top three beers. I'm, I'm going with, I'm, I'm a lager man. I mean, you wouldn't think that uh, Yorkshiremen kind of have this reputation as being into bitters and stuff like that. Maybe as I get older, I will. But I've always been a lager man. Heineken is my number one. Um, always had a great attachment to that that lager. Um, loved it going. I've actually been to the factory over there in Amsterdam um, as well. It's uh, one of the best pints I've ever had, actually. Uh, so I'm going with that as my number one. My second one. Amstel, I'm a big fan of the uh, a bit of a theme here, isn't it? Continental sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the theme, yeah. Amstel, and uh, my third one, I'm going to go a bit of a wild card here. It's a, a Japanese beer called Sapporo. 
Um, yeah. It's a strong one. It's about good six six percent for a lager. And um, I used to uh, drink this in a sushi bar when I was living in the states, and I've always had a bit of an, uh, a liking to it. Some very nice choices there. Um, Amstel is Dutch, isn't it? Or is it Bavarian? It might be Bavarian. No, it is Dutch. Dutch as well. Yeah. Well, founded, by two, founded by two friends in Amsterdam. So there you go. There's Christmas cracker number one. Me personally, I'm actually currently drinking a Ho Garden, as this is the Christmas show. We are indulging, aren't we, Steve? And uh, but you're not drinking any of your favourite beers, are you? You're drinking no, Bex. Bex on the go, actually. Yeah, it's a solid sort of uh, lager. Is Bex? You, you know, you'd have it in most people's top ten, I'd imagine. <laughs> There you go. Thanks so much for your questions, guys, and also for um, your crackers. And thanks for getting back to us with your favourite beers as well. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to head to the second part of this uh, section, uh, which is your Elitisarian team of the season, Steve. Now, what we've done here is because we have done a blog for Y Scout, our partners. We in that blog for Y Scout, we did a combined team of the season. We did an Elitisarian and Osvenskan combined team, and it was fairly difficult, wasn't it, Steve? We had a long debate about which players we fitted into which positions and what formations to be able to get players because there was, there's so much talent in this region, as you know, and hopefully that's part of the reason that you listen to this podcast. It was very, very difficult. We we ended up with a very Swedish back line, didn't we, defensively, and then a very Norwegian front line. But um, we've got teams of our own in this show that we're going to give so that you get your, you get the full value. Um, so thank you very much, as always, to our partners, Scout, for the partnership over the year. It's been a been a great year writing for them. We've been, you know, delivering blogs every month uh, on various topics around um, both leagues and players to watch, that kind of thing. But, uh, Steve, this is your own personal meat man soccer, Elitisarian team of 2020. So take it away with your choices. Yeah, well, before we go on about this team, I just want to do just talk about some general league statistics. It's funny you mentioned that about our combined team, which most of the defenders were um, from the Swedish league and the attackers, sort of midfielders from Norway. And I'll I tell you why, because there's been a lot more goals this season, an average of 3.16 goals per game, which is the highest for a number of years, like compared to last year, 2.91 per game. We've had 62% of, uh, nearly 63% of matches have ended with over 2.5 goals in them. That is up 10% nearly from last season, which is a significant increase. Uh, so goals have gone up. Um, interestingly, home wins uh, have only been reduced slightly, down by two percent to forty-five percent. So not, you know, all this talk about you know the lack of crowd will affect uh, teams at home. It hasn't really made a difference in that respect. Although home wins are up, uh, up to thirty-one. Uh, sorry, away wins are up to thirty-one uh, percent from twenty-two percent last season. So away teams have won more games. Just draws have gone down. So um, uh, just a few interesting statistics. It's been a really goal-heavy league. Um, and yeah, pandemic, do you think the goals? Or do you have any theories? <sighs> it's a really good. I don't know. There's something about the a lot of leagues have had more goals in them, haven't they? With with no fans, is it because it, like for some players, I'm sure there's maybe a lack of pressure. But I think it's more about better communication out there for um, for the attackers and perhaps some defenders. Maybe some defenders thrive on like a big passionate atmosphere, get stuck in in that, and there's a lack of adrenaline adrenaline for defenders. I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure. Was it, what, do you have any theories there? Or? Yes, really. I think the communication point is, a, is an excellent point. Um, I, I remember seeing some quotes from Jose Marino, and he said that one of the things about having no fans is that he, it's easier to communicate and he can get his message across a bit easier. Um, other managers I've spoken to privately, you know, for example, I know some managers at non-league level 
um, in England and they complain about the fact that it's it's much harder to motivate players, you know, because concentration just goes because there's no fans. And obviously maybe that leads to mistakes, which can then lead to goals. There's not that edge. You, you know what it's like if you if you make a mistake in front, in front of two, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand fans. There's that extra bit of pressure, isn't there? You're going to let people down and, you, you know, maybe that's not there because they just forget about the fact that people are watching on TV. Maybe, maybe it's something like that. But uh, communication is a very good point. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's been a real gold glut league as um, as Norway, less so in Sweden. So, anyway, my goalkeeper is uh, Jakub Storovic from Sandefjord, and I've, he's uh, a really great keeper this year. I talked about him just a few episodes ago. So, if you want a bit more detail, then uh, listen to that. But, but he saved five out of eight penalties this season, which is sensational, isn't it? And you know, I was watching tonight against Rosenborg. He single handedly got them a nil nil, nil draw. And he's had nine clean sheets this year, which is the second most out of any any goalkeeper. And uh, he's fully deserved them. Without Storovic, I think Sanderfield would maybe be down, like automatically down. I mean, he's they're only finished eight points clear of 15th uh, starting Mian Darlin. I think he's been worth about 10 points to them. You know, it's really difficult to judge, isn't it, sometimes? But he's a top, top keeper. And there's, he's only had one bad game that I can remember where he's made mistakes in. I think someone decent, either in Norway or Scandinavia, should be taking a look at this goalkeeper because he's got all the attributes needed to succeed at quite a high level in this region, I think. And um, uh, he's, for me, it was between him and Villar Mira at Strong Good Set. Uh, I've been impressed with Mira's um, saves uh, in terms of reflex saves and, and stuff like that. Uh, I just feel that the difference has been probably a slightly better defence for Sandefjord, in fairness. Um, but the penalty thing is a massive thing for me. Five out of eight penalties is sensational. Yeah, there you go. And you don't often get a keep. Well, I suppose sometimes you get keepers who are lower down the, down the table. And I remember, you know, Sandefjord at the beginning of the season, you said it would be a real job for them to stay up. So it looks like Jakob Storovic has had a major, major impact on them managing to, to keep away from, uh, you know, the, the, the dreaded trapdoor. And we did talk about him, didn't we? He was a player in focus on a, on a, a podcast not too long ago, wasn't he? Um, I think last, not the last episode, the episode before that. Yeah, good, good, good goalkeeper, and he's impressed me even more since I've talked about him. So, uh, mm. one to watch for the future. I, I think it could maybe someone could sign him, someone decent could sign him uh, uh, during the winter. Twenty-four years old, Jacob Storovic at Sandefjord. Now we're going for a back four uh, in your defence, traditional back four. Yeah, traditional back four, just from left to right. I've gone with Frederick Andre Björk and left back, Stian Gregerson and Marius Loder at centre back, and Christian Bokrovink at right back. And I'll start with Björk. It was a really poor selection, actually, of left backs. So I was thinking about this in the bath the other night. Um, really, Björk is, is a standout player anyway. He's, he's had a very good year for Glimt and last year as well. Um, but outside of him, there's not been much else. Maybe Sam had a cook by Volarenga, uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's not been a great year for left backs in in Norway. Uh, yeah, can yeah, he just he combines that great defence with 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 attack, and um, he, he, when he comes forward, he he can underlap, overlap, and he's a, th- a goal scoring threat and assist threat, and he fits in perfectly with Glimp's system. And um, he's become this season, I think, more of a complete uh, sort of left back. Really, he's he's added a bit more to the defensive side to his game as well. So clear standout at left back for me. And he's also the son of uh, one of our famous podcasts, isn't he? Um, Osman Bjorkan, who was on, on the show as sporting director of Budigan. He is. A, you know, there's a strong family tradition here yeah. with the club. And, um, you know, last uh, 
this time last year we were talking about him potentially moving on, someone going to buy him. Um, and I think we're going to have to say the same again. He's probably one of the players, probably one of the, probably the most likely player to leave, I would say, um, of those uh, on a contract. And, um, you know, it's probably time now to, for him to broaden his uh, horizon a bit and, and get out of Norway, I would say, because he's good enough. Um, I'm sure Glim would love to have him around for another year, but um, it feels to me like the right time for him to move on now. Yeah, and he's uh, he's 22 years old and heavy links at the moment, actually, in, in, in the media, linking him to both Leeds United, Newcastle United and Norwich City. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. I mean, could he play in a Bielsa team, do you think, there, Steve, as a, yeah. a Leeds man? Yeah, he's got the physicals and he's got the work rate and he's much better than Olioski. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so... Um, then in two to the back, Stian Gregerson at Mulder and Marius Loder at Glimp. Do you want to have a few words on them? Or? Yeah, Loder is um, it's a tough one. There's, there's not that many good centre-backs this year in the league at all either, really. Um, but Loder, his, his, his pace is really good, his positioning. He, he can rescue a situation really well. The way they play on the front foot and they're often forward a lot, if for that time they do get caught on the break and that, he's the first getting back there, putting a challenge in, dealing with the danger. And he scored a sensational goal, probably goal of the season against Christiansen, which at that time of year was a big goal, I felt. 86 minute, I think it was. It was an unbelievable strike into the top corner. And um, for that alone, he almost deserves to be team of the season. The other pick's a bit controversial, Stian Gregerson. He only actually featured in 12 games. And some people would say I'm cheating a bit there, uh, that you, you need to play a few more games. But... I just felt whenever whenever he was on the field, he was a massive difference from older. I know a lot of his better performances have been in Europe with the qualifiers or the, or the group stage, but he's a real presence at the back there. He's a really good technical player as well as a, a physical sort of beast, and he's developed, and I, he gives a calming influence um, whenever I'm on there. In terms of quality, I couldn't not include him, but I, I could understand a few people saying, you know, he's only played 12 games, so you shouldn't have him in the team. Um, maybe there's a couple of... There's not a lot of other alternatives, really. Maybe Hegheim at V-King or Nasber, um Volarenga. But um, I just felt I had to get a Mulder player in this team. Mulder had actually been under the radar good this year in second place. So, Stian Gregerson, the centre-back. Yeah, and he's 25 years old. Um, in a word, Steve, will he be in, in Elite Serie next season, yes or no? No, I think someone will buy him. That's more than a word, but thank you very much. Um <laughs> Uh, and Marius Loder as well. In a word, do you think he'll be in the lead series next season? Yes. Fair enough. And he's a 27-year-old at Boodoo Glimp. We're going to run through some of these now because we're running sh- a little bit short on time in this section. Uh, Christian Bortrovink at Wallerenga. What, what have you got to say about him? Well, yeah, this is. I'm actually. This is a controversial pick as well. Um, I mean, as you know, I'm a cricketer, so we have to have a 12th man in my team. <laughs> my 12th man is Espen Rude at Odd. And I'm, <laughs> looking at his stats, I'm a bit harsh not putting Odd, uh, Rude. Sorry, Espen Rude. I'm a bit harsh not putting Rude in the team because Rude has 11 assists and six goals this season, which is damn, pretty damn good from right back, isn't it? But bear in mind, them assists, he takes a lot of the free kicks and corners. Um, Brockerving, five assists, one goal. I just, um, if I'm a, sort of in a 50 50 with, with someone, I always go with the younger player. I, that's just me. I prefer the younger talent to the old, older dog. Um, and I think Brockerving um, has played very well. I think there was one game where Jens Petahorga rinsed him a bit, but um, he, he's shown great maturity in the role he's been given at, at Volarenga there. Um, especially, I'm really impressed with him. He's linked up on the right hand side with Aaron Donham. Um, they, they work really well together. 
he puts in some good balls, but he defends really well. His positional defending is really good, and he can only get better and better and better. Boca Rink, um, in my in my opinion, and as I say, a bit harsh on Espen Rude. He does make the the, the, the team as a twelfth man, um, but uh, and a fair play to him for thirty six years old for for the season he's had. But you know, if Boca Rink was on the set pieces, maybe he would have picked up more assists. So um, and and free kicks. So uh, let, let's see. Yeah, and he's uh, recently signed a new contract till twenty twenty three. And he said himself, now that I've signed up for this new contract, I'm ready for, to fight for the title. Um, both the Elite Serien and the Cup, he said. So it's clearly got high ambitions there. Um, this young lad, he's 21 years old, so that's a, a pretty decent pick. He's from Oslo. Uh, so a nice shout there, Steve. I'm going to move on to the midfield, and we, we're sort of running out of time, so I'm going to have to run through these. Midfield, you've got, you've got a traditional... You're playing like a 4-4-2 here, aren't you? Yeah, 4-4-fucking-2, lad. So, yeah, you've got left midfield, Zima Batiki at Viking. Centre mid, Patrick Berg, Buda Glimt. It's another centre mid, Ulrich Saltnez, Buda Glimt. And right midfield is Philip uh, Zinkenagel, who uh, is uh, player of the season in uh, the Elite Serien, really. He's been absolutely brilliant. 19 goals, a bunch of assists as well. He actually scored the most away goals out of any player in, in the league, which is an interesting statistic. Now, all of these four players can be found on that Scout blog that I mentioned uh, in the combined team of the season, Batikri, Berg, Saltners and Zinkenagel. Um, and, you know, if you want a bit more information sort of in depth, then I would encourage anyone to, to have a, um, a read of that blog. But I just had to include them, them all here. I've seen a few teams that Batikri's not included in. I just feel like he's been too influential this year not to be in a team of the season, really. And, um, you know, there's a couple of players that perhaps are unlucky to miss out. Christopher Zakariasen uh, had a great year for Rosenborg. Uh, really impressed with him. Uh, actually one of the few really good signings in recent years. And, um, you know, if this was a sort of a midfield trio, then like, he probably would have, would have made my team. I think it's it's really harsh that Aaron Donham doesn't get in some of these team of the years. But when you're up against Zink and Agel, what can you actually say? <laughs> You know, it's just they're playing the same position um, and you can't really put them anywhere else. I suppose you could maybe put Zinkenagel up front and, and Donham out right, right. But I think Aaron Donham is a quality, quality player who um, any other year would be definitely in a, in a team of the season. Just one one thing I want to say about Ulrich Salton is a statistic I came across tonight. He only missed 11 minutes all year. Thirty, The only player in the whole league to make 30 appearances, by the way, and he missed 11 minutes. I'm not sure which match he was subbed off in. But um, 2,689 minutes played, um, which is sensei. What a captain he's been for Buda Glimt, uh, Saltness. Um, you know, almost underrated in a way. That's how good he's been. Um, and Berg was actually one of my uh, players to watch this season. Uh, most of my players to watch have done all right, actually. I think. The odd failure, but... Um... Yeah, and in terms of your uh, players to watch, you did indeed have Patrick Berg, which is a great shout. And uh, you did have a pretty decent run of it this season. The less... We talk about Yanis Ikoniaks, the better. Um, <laughs> let's move to your strikers now before we head to part two of this show. Casper uh, Juncker and, well, I'll let you say the other one. Casper Juncker and Armel Pellegrino. Again, two players on this Scout blog. Um, now, Pellegrino really is sort of a left winger inside forward, but he plays. He can play as a striker as well, so he's in as a striker. What can you say? There's not much else to say. 27 goals for Juncker, 25 goals for Pellegrino. Two completely different types of player, um, and, and they've been absolutely sensational. You know, goal-scoring machines in different ways. Juncker is the poacher sort of thing. Pellegrino with these special strikes, 
and technical brilliance. So uh, brilliant from both. And uh, if you want to read more about them, check out that blog. Yeah, fantastic stuff, Steve. You've covered the league really well this year. Well done to you. Twelfth uh, man is, you know, almost cheating in my opinion. This isn't cricket, but uh, I'll let you. I'll let you throw it out there anyway. Yeah, twelfth man is Espen Rude. Yeah, you know, I, I'm into cricket. There's got to be a twelfth man. <laughs> There's got to be. He can play left back as well, and we could probably fill him in right mid if he had to. Tweet us at Nordic Football if you're having a 12th man in your in your team. But if not, let us know your thoughts on that team of the season. We may, may tweet it out as well in the coming days. Um, but yeah, fantastic team you got there. And just before we end this section, we will talk a little bit about Norway in part two as well when we do our Christmas crackers potentially. But um, to round off the season, Steve, you've got you've named three coaches of the season and your flop of the season. Yeah, I'm going to meet me. Let's 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 start with the flop of the season because let, let's end it on a positive way. Eh? I don't want to end it on a negative, so let's throw out your flop of the year first before your coaches of the year. Flop of the year is unfortunately Doda Bamba at Brann. Um, I mean, I suppose you could say that whole club is flop of the year in the league, but they've they've survived. They've kept their heads above water, a bit like AI Court in Sweden a bit, you know, right off this year and move on to the next year. But Bamba, unfortunately, um, and I like Bamba, actually. I, I, I do like this player. This is, it's a real shame to have to put him as flop of the year, but... His expected goals was 16.22, and he's only scored 10, which, I mean, that, that's terrible. Like, and, and it sums up his year. It feels like he's wasted chances whenever they come his way. He's trying too hard. He's made the wrong decision. I was watching this match against um, Branard, the final final round. It was a really good game of football, actually. Uh, both went for it. But he, he summed up his season. Whenever he was in a goal-scoring position, he missed, or he was like, there was an easy pass for someone to have a tapping or a really big chance, but he went for it himself, individual. It's like a desperation thing from it. It just hasn't worked out. And when someone's got so far worse on the expected goals compared to how many they've scored, he has to be in consideration for flop of the year. And I felt Brown as a club was, was so poor that someone in the squad um, had to do it. But hey, another year he can kick on next year and he can rebound. So good luck to him, but he is my flop of the year. Yeah, unfortunately for Dada Bamba, you you get the wooden spoon. Come and collect it at Twitter, Nordic Footpod. But uh, very much hope that you'll be able to bounce back. That is a shocking XG, to be fair. So it's very difficult to defend that. And I remember the goal line clearance that was once, you know, you missed a chance from literally 20, me- 20 centimetres, I think it was. So um, tough year for Bran, maybe encapsulated by Dada Bamba there. Um, your coaches of the year in third place, second place and first place, please, Steve. In third place is Christian Mickelson, Christiansen, and this is his traditional. He's always in the top three every year um, in this uh, awards section. Like uh, every year, I predict him about 12th, don't I? Or even relegation, and they finish in the top six. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. I, but he's done an amazing job again at Christiansen with limited resources. Great. He seems to get the absolute most out of that squad. Pellegrino has been a massive weapon to have, but you've got to credit Mickelson for making him that weapon because this was a, a, a guy who'd failed at Strom's Godset. And he's gone there and he's been brilliant the last year and a half. So, Christian Mickelson, I think, is a great coach. Um, second place, Marty Sifuentes. I said at the start of the year, Sanderfield had no chance, even with him in charge. We knew he was a good coach. So, for him to get them eight points clear of the drop, I think it's a magnificent achievement. And, um, you know, that he's leaving them now and whoever they bring in has got a hell of a job on their hands. And we'll say, it almost reminds me of when they came up before and Lars Bahinen kept them up, then he left and they went down. Same could happen again if they don't get the right sort of guy in. And the obvious coach of the season, Gessel Knutson, 
Buddha glimpse. Um, it had to be him, didn't it? Simple as that. He's been brilliant. Um, feels like it's been he built this up over the last two or three years. What a team! What a manager! Um, he has to get the top the top award. Two quick questions before we finish. Well, one's more an observation. I do think we probably you mentioned we need an episode on Rosenborg. I think we need an episode on Christensen at some point because they punch you in the face every season. They, the way they overachieve, um, that is a fantastic achievement in my opinion. You know where they finished. But um, let's wrap up this section of the show. Uh, it's been a fantastic year, isn't it, in, in Norway, Steve? It's been a real entertaining season. Um, firstly, your overview of the season. You know how much have you enjoyed it, especially with no fans. And, and then, secondly, um, do you think Buda Glimp's achievement is the best achievement in Norwegian football history? This is the. I'd be surprised if we have a better team. Like it, it almost feels like they deserve to be unbeaten. Um, it's a shame they lost to Molder actually. Uh, just one of them days where they had players unavailable. Molder played well, and Molder are the second best team. Uh, but if they'd gone undefeated, it would have been richly deserved. They've won 26 out of 30 games. Uh, I don't, I'd be surprised if we see a better team. We might see a team go undefeated in Norway, but I'd be surprised if it's a better team than this one. So um, it was uh, unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. And the season as a whole, I mean, we done, we started in June and uh, fair play to the Norwegian FA for getting uh, the scheduling and getting done. Uh, fair play to the clubs because there's hardly been many COVID cases um, and literally, I think any cases that have orig originated always seem to come after international breaks. So that, that seemed to be the, the contamination point. If the international breaks hadn't existed, they probably the clubs would have gone COVID-free. But my overriding memory, one of my strongest memories of the year is that first match of the season. All of a sudden against Molde, it was live on Eurosport UK. The hairs were on the back of my neck were raised up. You know, just seeing football again at that time. I mean, we were starved of football, weren't we? At that time after the, the first lockdown and um it was a great moment looking back um in the middle of summer mountains in the background you uh elita serian on tv T tim capel on the commentary and um you know it, it was a start i've really enjoyed this season it's been a fantastic year uh, i enjoyed last year as well to be fair but i really feel like norwegian football elita serian's on the rise and uh bring on 2021 really positive about it Brilliant words there, and I think you've summed up the league very well. And Buda Glimt as well, what a fantastic team. They made international headlines, and uh, you know, you, you have to doff your cap to them. Um, that's been a really good overview of the league, Steve. Well done for covering the league in such detail uh, as usual. We're going to wrap it up for part one. In part two, we're going to move on to the Oswald game, where we've got a few talking points um, in the postseason, and we're also going to name our team of the season, and then we're going to open our Christmas crackers and our presents. So tune in for that after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm joined uh, by Jonathan for Dugba. Um, we're going to uh, have Jonathan's team of the season uh, from the Arsvenskin coming up soon, along with a bunch of Christmas crackers at the end of the section. But we're going to have a Christmas cracker now. That's a bit different, Jonathan. Pick me uh, something interesting out of this cracker. All right, let me just, uh, let me just open it. <laughs> what have I got here? I've got... Christmas TV and film. Oof. Wow. And it says, what do you watch on Christmas Day, Steve? The Snowman or Mary Poppins? 
Um, it'd be Mary Puffins probably these days. Um, what do I watch on Christmas Day? The Queen, the Queen's speech. You bit you fan of the fan of the Queen, eh? Well, not that I'm a royalist or anything, but I guess I've always put her on. Um, you know, like her or loathe, I think you've got to respect her. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a tradition, isn't it, in England? Three PM, Christmas Day. Yeah, she's like she's like. I'd like to wish you all a very happy Christmas. <laughs> have, you, have you eat? Have you unwrapped your presents by the time that you see the Queen, or are you? Have you eaten your food, or is it? You wait till the Queen's speech before you eat. Get a normal Christmas. Um, well, I don't know actually. Uh, I would have probably unwrapped most of my presents that I, that I can unwrap. <laughs> in terms of eating, it will depend if I'm having sort of Christmas dinner at lunchtime or in the evening. It can vary. Depends what you're doing, you know, where you're at, doesn't it? Really, I would say most of the time I would have eaten, but Fair enough. yeah, what, what Mine, is it? mine's got to be. I like the snowman when I was a kid. Yeah, I don't know if anyone, I don't know if they have that in Scandinavia, but uh, or in America or wherever you're listening, but yeah, it's like a children's show, but it's, it's like there's no words in it, it's not, not it's a, it's a sort of muted, um, animated uh, show about a snowman that comes to life and travels around the world. So yeah, kind, of a, me, kind of reminds me of my uh, journey to Sweden, you know, traveling around. Christmas film. If I had to pick a Christmas film, I know it's a bit not. Something classic is a Christmas film, but Die Hard. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Bruce Willis. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, decent job. Um, there's a few others I can probably think of. Um, I've always been into James Bond, and there's a good one. Um, the sort of as a Christmas setting on Her Majesty's Secret Service, one of the most underrated James Bond films ever, by the way. Very... Are, you, are you a big Bond fan? I have always been into Bond, yeah. Uh, that was George Lazenby's uh, appearance as Bond. And uh, honestly, um, he was very underrated, but Diana Rigg, who uh, sadly died this year, I do believe, um, was probably the best uh, Bond uh, girl of all time, I would say. Very, very good film, that one. And has a Christmas setting based in uh, in the Alps and stuff. Fantastic scenery. Is that Pussy Galore? That was on a Blackman, wasn't it? That was the one line that is in cinema history. My name is Pussy Galore. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So uh, tweet us on uh, at Nordic Footpod. Let us know your thoughts on your, what, what do you watch at Christmas? You know, what's your tradition? If it's in Norway, if it's in Sweden, if it's in America, wherever you are, let us know your tradition and your favourite TV and film. That's just a little insight into us as hosts and what we'll be watching. So, um, there you go, a bit of James Bond and a, a bit of the snowman and a bit of uh, a bit of the Queen's speech. So let's head over to Sweden because the season's obviously already finished. Um, but we're going to co- cover a few talking points, aren't we, Steve? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at a few topics that we're going to talk about here, and let's, let's stay Christmassy. Your garden uh, Christmas presents. What's this all about? Yeah, and I've noted that down because uh, we, we didn't really talk too much about your garden. Um, this season to be honest had a bit of a middling season didn't really offer too much i didn't see much of them wasn't really that impressed with them i had a bad start and although they did recover it was it was it was clearly a year after winning the title where there was a drop off in quality um to a certain extent certain players are now leaving and there's been a little bit of a clear out of your garden and they've put some christmas presents under the tree because they've not wasted time at all steve They've, they've signed players straight away and it's quite weird because some of them we don't really know their ability. It's on quite a few players from the um, third division, that kind of thing. So it is going to be a case of, you know, kind of wait and see, I think. But uh, yeah, they, they've bought a few players. Um, I'll run through them quickly. 
I don't think they'll be familiar to too many too many people. But uh, Elias Anderson is signed from uh, Sirius. He's he's probably the most well known. He's a good player, in fact, um, midfielder can sort of play between the lines. You know, part of that good Sirius team this season, and he's one that will surely I think um, just add to the squad. Maybe he might not become a key player for them, but I think he'll 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 fit in well with the squad. Uh, they signed a young centre back um, from the third division, Isaac Heen. Now I've heard a lot of good things about him. I think it's statistically he really rated quite highly in in, in the third tier. Um, but I'll be honest, I haven't seen much of him play. He's sort of a tall, young centre back. There's the, the the idea that he could be sort of developed and sold on, maybe potentially. Um, Rasmus Schuller as well. I don't know if you've heard of him, Steve. If you're familiar with him on your on your travels, he's been around the block a little bit. And then a young player called uh, a player called Leo Cornick. So. Yeah, a few Christmas presents for for your garden fans to to uh, enjoy, and it's certainly a case, Steve, where I think they're going to they realise they're going to have to do a lot of work in 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 this um in this coming window, and they're not wasting time. You know, they they, they want that title back next season, and um, you know, with their management duo there, they they realise there's, there's already a few outgoings. We've mentioned Jonathan Augustinson, and there's a few others that are going to be leaving. Um, yeah, Leo Cornick's a 19 year old signed from Grorud, which is your part of the woods. Uh, you know that name rings a bell. I, I think I might have even had him as one of my players to watch years ago. Volarenga, I think he, he comes from. Um, he, he's been signed from the Obos at Grorud, and um, you know he said it's a dream come true to sign for a team like Urgarden. He's an offensive right back uh, who likes to get involved. Is is, is the words of um, Boss Anderson, Urgarden's sporting director, and they said they've been watching him very closely throughout the whole of the Obos league and season. So clearly, someone they've scouted. I, I don't know. Like you say, he was at Volarenga. You're right. Um, they actually wanted to keep him, but he wanted to go and get first-team football. And he played 24 games in the uh, Obos this season. And Jürgen have snapped him up. Norway under-21 international. Do you think Jürgen, um I mean, if you snooze, you lose, don't you? So fair play to them. They're getting out there early and getting players in. They've got a good history, actually, of raiding Norway talents. Um, tend to go well there. Um, this is sort of a signal of intention of ambition from Jürgen. They want to be back in the title race next season. Yeah, and uh, you know they're going to lose. They're going to lose some players as well. I think um, there's no doubt. There's a lot of interest in, for example, Bratveit. Uh, quite a few clubs I know here in Vienna are, are, are in for him, um, according to you know reports that have been made public. Potentially in for him anyway. Um, they're going to lose. I think Frederick Ulverstad will probably move on. Uh, they, they've lost all good season. Like I say, there's interest in Witchery potentially. Um, so, yeah. I think one thing about Jurgen, they, they are quite proactive in the transfer market. They always manage to find gems. You know, obviously, Puglia Torre was a massive loss last season. I think they still haven't really maybe filled in his role. But, you know, generally speaking, they do recruit well, Jurgen, in my opinion. Um, Rasmus Schuller is a 29-year-old. He's coming from, uh, he's a Finnish national team player. He's been around the block as well. Um, he's coming from, I think, H- HJK, if I'm right in saying it. Uh, so, you know, they're mixing it with sort of the young players, the young talents. As I said, Isaac Heen, who's very highly rated, by the way, a lot of talk about him, the youngster, the young centre-back. Um, and then obviously mixing that with some older heads like like Schuller and, um, you know, other players like that as well. Elias Anderson's a little bit older. So, yeah, some interesting uh, interesting players there. Heen came from Vasselund. And they've also been linked with a couple of players at Broma Poikina, Jürgen. So expect to see more presence under the tree probably in the, in the, in the weeks to come. Very promising for yoga, but less promising for Norshipping, who are involved in a bit of a crisis right now. What's going on? Well, this is crazy, Steve. This is almost... I think I mentioned it the other day. I mentioned Dream Team, the, the famous Sky show, which 
not sure that they have it in uh, in Sweden, but um, this is a re- this is a serious crisis. Uh, and I don't think I've ever seen, to be honest, a bigger fallout from a, a season. Um, there's clearly been big issues behind the scenes here because, you know, th- this sort of thing doesn't just happen randomly. It's, it's, it's clearly been bubbling. We talked on the last show about their season ending so badly, just having an absolutely dreadful end to the year and year and, you know, basically tailing off. It's just got worse and worse, worse since then, Steve. Um, let me just sum it up for you. Uh, there's marketing manager, the club director, the physiotherapist, the assistant manager, and one of the directors have all left the club. Jeez. The managers left the club. Three players have left the club. They're out of contract. Uh, Philip Dargestal's out of contract, says he, want, he, he, he's, he he's not going to stay. Um, now Haksabanovic has come out, said Haksabanovic is the key man, a star man, who they only just signed, remember, for a, for a record fee like at the beginning of the last season. He's now come up and said, I want to, I want out of here. It's too much chaos for me. Uh, you know, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Uh, and it is a serious crisis at the club, to be honest. There's a real talk about cultural problems at the club. Bullying even has been mentioned. You know, um, one of the directors is very, very well thought of. Um, Simon Turn actually came out and put a tweet saying, you know, um, this player basically came out and said, uh, sorry, this uh, director came out and, and criticised the board and said that the, the, what's been happening at the club for, for quite a while has been quite quite bad. And um, obviously he was criticised because when you come out like that, you know, you're open to criticism. But um, Simon Turn came out with an open letter and, and really went into it and said, you know, considering the situation, you know, we, we, we are in a real problem. He said the players need to stand together. The club needs to stand together. But he said the person who made the criticisms, he said, is, is he has he has no shipping at heart and he should be listened to. Um, the chairman, Peter Hunt, basically, I think there's some real backroom tensions between Peter Hunt and several other members of the board. I think there's a feeling of like what has been described to to um, to me and to you know publicly in the press and that kind of thing. Steve is like a board member, basically. Anyone who criticizes him, you're out the door or you're reassigned to a new position, and it's just created a really bad feeling at the club. Um, that's that's according to the reports that I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, talk about going from real, you know. North Shopping had such a promising beginning to the season. It, there was so much positivity and hope. You know, it really has come down, crashing around their, their um, you know, uh, crashing down all around them, to be honest. The fans must feel awful about this because, like you say, they had the disappointment in the league. I mean, they were something like six or seven points clear at one point, weren't they? Um, and it must be such a demoralising... I think when it's on the field matters, um, you always, almost feel like there's uh, you've got more control. But when it's off the field, what can you do? I mean they've got to sort themselves out. Otherwise, they could be in a right mess. Well, listen, 20 people at the club put out an open letter to a media outlet criticising the chairman. All wanted to be anonymous because they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to come out publicly, but they all signed this letter, essentially, um, saying that the decision-making at the club is is a joke, um, saying that, you know, the chairman's done a lot for the club, but I will never work for him again. That was one comment. Um, I do not agree with the way he works. He does not, you know, his leadership style is based on ways I can't, I can't understand. Um, he grinds his player, his, 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 his staff down. This is, you know, the really strong stuff, strong words. And like I say, um, the turnover of staff is huge. You know, uh, let me just go through a few of the names. Jens Magnussen, uh, club director who left. Christopher Eriksson, Christopher Eriksson, sorry, Joran Ekdal, Magnus Carlsen, Pele Norberg, Hakan Wettel, 
Patrick Selling, David Bergstrom. These are all people who have left the club. The marketing manager, as I just mentioned to you, um, the list goes on. So it's almost like mutiny at the club. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that they, they had a bit of a crisis a few weeks ago, but this is gone into a full-blown sort of civil war, all-out war. So, you know, I guess the headline really here is the manager's left. You know, Jens Gustafsson has been there a long time. I think he's, on balance, done a reasonable job. Um, you know, brought in a, a lot of money for the club, I think, probably more than success. He's, he's managed to um, bring in players, youngsters, and then sell them on, you know, the likes of Jordan Larson. Bergman Johansson this season now, you know, the 17-year-old, he will go on and make your North Shopping a lot of money. Generally speaking, they've, they've developed their squad and their finances, I think, quite well. But um, the way the season has petered out, you know, from Mag uh, from Gustafsson's point of view, is really, really disappointing. I think he would have expected to go out with maybe um, a cup or, you know, a title at, at this stage of his, of his time in charge. So it, it really ends in a, in a quite a bad, bitter and sad way. Mm. I mean, you mentioned the manager's left there. Um, this is a bit of a manager sort of merry-go-round going on in Sweden at the minute, isn't there? There's uh, a few sort of comings and goings. Yeah, plenty. Um, I mentioned to you, obviously, that Kalmar might be changing the manager. That's been made official. Um, Nana Bergstrand has, has, has left the club. Obviously, Kalmar managed to stay up by the skin of their teeth. But, um, yeah, you know, the Wiley or Fox Bergstrand will be leaving. Uh, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on. Um, Jorgen Lennartsen now has been announced as manager of Helsingborg. I know you know a little bit about him, Steve, from his time in Norway. Yeah, I didn't really ever rate him much at the to be honest. He, he ended badly there. Um, I just feel he's, he's old school manager. Maybe that'll suit Helsingborg, but I just I never saw much there that impressed me. Yeah, and he was also at EF Court at one point. He, he returns and he'll obviously take over the task of trying to um, take, take them up. Um, the the replacement for Kalmar uh, of Nana Bergström will be Henrik Riedström, who was obviously at Sirius, did such a great job. Been a few comments in the press recently. A few few ex-players at Sirius have come out and criticised Riedström actually about his management style. But um, obviously, there's two sides to every story in that sense. Few things there that maybe bubble under. But one thing you can say about Riedström, he really built a really fine team there at Sirius this season. They were really entertaining to watch, and uh, they'll be one of their players maybe potentially in my team of the season. Um, elsewhere, obviously, Yon shopping they failed to beat Kalmar in the um, relegation playoff, so their their manager's left, uh, Andreas Brandstrom, and he's been heavily linked to North shopping in fact. So, there's a potential that he may, you know, jump up a league, um, from from Super Etten to uh, to a big Osvenskan job. That's a big job for whoever gets that North shopping role. Um, and we'll see where that goes. And of course, Mialbi as well, Mialbi have, um, you know, their manager Marcus Lance left, as we as we know. And they've now announced a new manager as well. So, yeah, there's a real... And then, obviously, you know, lower down the divisions, which we'll maybe talk about in a minute. But, um, yeah, a, a lot a lot of changes in, you know, on that merry-go-round. Uh, and, yeah, so, you know, just to wrap it up, Mal Malby have announced that um, Christian Yardler will be their new manager. He's a 38-year-old. And, of course, they've had such a great season. Um, it's a shame. I think Lance probably doesn't stick around. But uh, Yardler is meant to be reasonably sort of well thought of and he will come in and he's previously coached at clubs like Osters, Varnamo and a few others so let's see what he can do. Yeah and you mentioned uh, you know some other managerial changes in the lower leagues we have been keeping tabs on a friend of the podcast Sean Constable and um, Bruma Poikina and they came cruelly agonizingly short 
on penalties um, in their uh, playoff match to try and make it up to the Super Retin, uh, haven't they? And unfortunately, that's had dire consequences. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was. I think it was probably on the cards. Um, obviously, from a point, kind of a big club in the sense that they want to get it straight back up. And you know what it's like in football, uh, as everyone else does. You go into it with your eyes open, and if you don't maybe meet the expectations, potentially, there, there could be consequences. And I think it's a real shame. Um, but yeah, Sean Constable has been, I think, relieved of his duties. It was, I think, described as a mutual agreement uh, on the club's website. But you know, I'm not sure about that. But um, yeah, end of the day, it's, it's disappointing because we obviously had him on the podcast, and you know, he's, we've had him on many times, haven't we? And he's a great guy. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a disappointing decision, if I'm honest. I don't, I don't know who they're going to replace him with at this moment in time. Maybe they've got a trick up their sleeve. But uh, I felt that Sean was maturing as a coach in, in the sense of, you know, he, he they, they tell, their, their end of the season was pretty good. And I think to, to go to Trelleborg and, and lose on penalties is, is, you know, is just really by the skin of your teeth, really, isn't it? Losing, I think they probably would have smashed the, the league next season, to be honest. I think Sean probably has just got to grips with the, the role and, and managed to get his head around it. And I always advocate for continuity in that situation, you know. So um, we'll see where they go with it, but they're going to have to sort of start again, aren't they? And the new manager will have to come in and, and, and pick it up straight away because I, f- I fancy them next season to, to, based on what they've shown in the second half of the season, to to go forward. But um, yeah, we send our, our Christmas wishes to to Sean Constable, and uh, I'm sure he'll bounce back. It'll be interesting to see where he lands because I think he's gained a lot of experience in this role, and um, you know, can can take that onto a new job. Maybe he's, he's proven that he can develop young players. You know, they've sold a lot of players um, this season, Bromley Poikin, obviously, with their fantastic academy. So, you know, let's see where that takes him. I, I think I was just going to say, I think he's, he's clearly a great developer of players. He's a great coach in that way. And I really like what I heard in that interview from him this season. He really did feel like he had matured as a coach, as a manager. And um, he has great experience of this region. And, um, you know, you're right. Football's brutal sometimes, isn't it? If you don't meet... Uh, high expectations and stuff, but I, do you know what? I think that he's a name that will get floated around um, in, in, in the Scandinavian region. As a, you know, I, you know, for example, Sandefjord could do far worse than bringing him in. Um, you know, stuff like that. But we wish him all the best. I certainly think he'll bounce, bounce back well, and uh, I think he's a really good coach. So all, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I hope you won't mind me saying this, but I, I've said to him, I think he needs to get straight back into a role if he can. You know, keep the momentum going because you learn things as a coach, and you know, you don't want to be out of it for too long and I, I hope he um you know maybe he might listen to me but uh you know I definitely advocate I think I think I would I would certainly you know put my name behind him in terms of managers looking for a role at you know that sort of level because uh, you know I think he will have learned a lot so yeah we wish him well. Let's finish on a positive note for Sweden. Uh Alsvenskan Awards. Uh, who's been uh, winning things? Yeah and also just wanted to say one other thing in terms of managerial changes before we move on. Umea uh, it's been announced that Brian Klarhout will also leave his role. And we had him on the podcast, um, the young American manager uh, up there in the north of Sweden. Um, obviously, their relegation to to the third division was confirmed. They dropped out of Super Etten. Um, remember last season, they'd won promotion. Had a tough season. I think they had some problems with COVID as well, which which really hampered their, their aim for survival. And he has stepped down as well. So, like I say, there's a real merry-go-round at the moment. A lot of managers available, a lot of jobs available. Big time, but uh, yeah, in terms of the Osvenskan season awards, it was a bit of a Malmo clean sweep. Um, and yeah, I can sort of run through the bulk of them, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want me to, yeah, yeah, go through them, yeah, name them all or name the the, the most important ones, <clears throat> okay, 
yeah, so player of the season, uh, I'm sure, well, don't know if listeners want to guess it, but uh, yeah, player of the season is Anders Christensen at Malmo. He's the MVP, pretty much as to be expected. Uh, young player of the season was Arnel Amihodzic at Malmo again, you know, centre-back, who we may well talk about. Um, striker of the season, forward of the season, Jesper Carlsen at Elsborg. Of course, he's moved on. Um, really had a great year and got his big move. Midfielder of the season, Anders Christiansen again. And centre-back of the season, or defender of the season, Arnel Armahodzic again. Uh, so clean sweep for them in terms of Malmo. And goalkeeper of the season was Oskar Janssen at Odebro. So, um, yeah, congratulations to to them. They won it out in terms of all the nominations. And we may well touch on them in a little bit more detail in our team of the year. Yeah, um, it's interesting. The uh, old MVP there, Anders Christensen, uh, didn't even get into our combined eleven, did he? Uh, that's how strong the uh, Buda Glimp side was this season. Uh, we couldn't fit, find a way to fit him in, but I, I hope you've uh, found a way to fit him into your Svenskan team of the season, though, Jonathan. More like that's how strong your lobbying campaign was to get <laughs> as many Norwegian players. If, uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, it was it was a very long debate, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, we're going to move on to your team of the season now. And uh, just looking at your formation, it's a, uh, this is a lot different to mine. Uh, you're looking at three at the back, uh, a couple of wing backs, two central midfielders, an attacking midfielder, and two strikers. So this is sort of something uh, original, uh, you know, isn't it? Um, I must say. So let's start with uh, let's start with the, with the goalkeeper. Who, who's that? Yeah, and uh, it's a bit of a sort of football manager, you know, alternative formation, really. So. I think we'll catch out a few teams, you know, they won't know our tactics as we go into our into our games in this fantasy year world. Uh, I've got in goal Oscar Janssen of Audebro as well. I agree with the um the I agree with the judge's choice in, in Sweden. Um really, really good year. Uh, it's you know, not often you get an Audible player in the team of the year, is it? Especially um a twenty nine year old, to be honest. But you know, I considered Ali Keita at, at Ostersunds, for example, I thought he had a really good year. And I have to give a shout out to the coaching staff at Ostersunds. I think they've um I think they've really improved Ali Kaita because he's, he's a little bit older now. I think he's in his 30s, but he's actually got better and better, I think, as the years have gone by. Uh, and, you know, we worked under Graham Potter, but I think he's arguably a better goalkeeper now than when he was under Potter. So really good job they've done improving him. But but I've given it to Janssen simply because his statistics just stood out. Um, 3.98 saves per 90 minutes, Steve, from 5.23 shots faced. And I think he's had a massive, massive difference in the difference between maybe blow just being where they finished, you know, in a sort of solid mid-table side. You know, they've ended up finishing seventh. I think without him, they could well be near the relegation zone. Um, and I'll give you a statistic to back that up. They conceded 41 goals, but their expected goals against was 54.97. Now, that is a massive difference of 13 goals. And I think Janssen's had a massive chart, you know, uh, his save percentage 76%. I think he's had a big say in that. Um, you know, considering they've only won... They won nine of their games, nine of 12 games, nine of their 12 wins came with a one goal margin. So that just tells you how, you know, it was really, really sort of paper thin differences between winning and losing. So when you've got to keep pulling off that high percentage of saves, um, I think it, it really stands them in good stead. And um, the other thing to point out with him is he was the most proactive keeper in the league. You know, he came off his line 87 times to make interventions, according to Scout. So um, a really proactive goalkeeper. This is his sort of, I think, his really his best season maybe ever as a pro. And there's now a little bit of interest in him to maybe go on. So, you know, at the age of 29, if he gets an opportunity, like fair play to him. So, um, yeah, a really, really good season for him. 
uh, really that Ouroboros Superman. Prime goalkeeping age is entering as well, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, I mean, he had a great year. Um, run us through your, your back five as such. Yeah, I've gone for a back five. We're going to have some wing-backs in this team. I, I fancy us to give your team a good game, to be honest, uh, tactically. But, um, yeah, I've gone for Johan Larsson at Elsborg as my right wing-back. Uh, I've gone for Joseph Okumu at Elsborg again as my centre-back. Arnel Armehodzic as my second centre-back at Malmo. Uh, third centre-back, Rasmus Lauritsen at uh, now Dinamo Zagreb, formerly Norshopping. And left wing-back, this is a bit, you know, could be a bit exposed on this flank because I've got Sayed Aksabanovic as a wing-back. That's the only place I could fit him in, to be honest. But uh, I couldn't really leave him out just for the fact that he's had such a great year and, you know, it was hard to really... It was hard to put him in the midfield slots, but it was hard to also leave him out. So I've sacrificed um, Jonas Knudsen, who I may, may well have picked as a left wing-back at Malmo, but I want a bit more of an attacking team. There's there's a bit of a theme, isn't it, with us here? If, if to try and fit someone in, we just kind of squeeze him in at left wing-back or left mid. Just so it uh, so it works out, but I mean, quite a few of the, a lot of these players are on the uh, the article we mentioned at the Y Scout blog blog dot dot com in our combined elite Serbian and now Svenskin team of the season. Um, I say good, I think four of these five uh, are, are on that blog, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of them are. You know, we had a sort of our Svenskan uh, backline and an elite Serbian forward line. Um, you know, I'll run through a couple of them very quickly. Johan Larsson had a fantastic season. He, he he was best in the league for expected assists, 0.32 per 90, which for a right-back is, you know, really impressive. Obviously, he's a bit older. He's come back to the league now. He used to play for Bromby and a few other clubs. Um, and he really was a key key, key player for them in, in them finishing second. Uh, really good cross of the ball, very, very accurate, 5.67 crosses per 90. Uh, and also one of the top 13, 15 players for key passes per 90, which I think f- for a right-back, to have so many key passes per 90 that's like sort of Trent Alexander-Arnold-esque isn't it so he had a really really good season and I think um, it was good good recruitment getting him really back to to Svenskan Yeah I mean Saeed Haskabanovic there he's someone that's sort of had a, an interesting career he's had his ups and downs hasn't he so he's clearly rebounded this year enough to get in your team of the season yeah, he's been really good. Uh, I'm playing him as a, as a left wing back, like I say, which is is a little bit unorthodox. I'll be I'll be fair, but um, it's hard to ignore him just because of his goals and assists record combined. You know, one of the best in the league in in that sense. Also, when I looked at the you know when you look at the key stats, you know he really stands out in a, in a lot of different areas. You know, uh, key passes per ninety, sort of coming up to the point seven three per ninety. So you know he's putting up a high key key um, key pass creation metric through passes per 90 not as high you know maybe what well not as high as compared to the rest of the league um but still well over 1.3 so you know that's a, that's a good rate but really where he stands out is you know in expected assists uh, and dribbling you know he's he's one of the best in the league for expected assists and also dribbles per 90 really ranks highly eight dribbles per 90 minutes uh, one of the one of the top three in the league uh, for dribbles per 90 so this is a player who can he can beat a man he can create he can you know he can cross, he can he can provide a key pass, can provide a through pass, he can score as well, got a good number of goals, um, a good number of assists. Probably is one of the best players in the league. Don't forget he came from West Ham, of course. So um it was really hard to leave him out, I think, and it wouldn't probably have been fair. And given that he's now said, you know, last one out of No Shopping, turn off the lights, um, you know, he wants to leave as well. So we may not see him at No Shopping again after this season. 
Uh, which of those centre backs um, was the top dog this year? Armie Hodzic couldn't couldn't go couldn't really overlook him. Um, Akumu, I just want to mention him because he is, I think he's got a big future actually. The Kenyan, big Kenyan. Now, one of the best sights of this season, Steve, was him swinging his big long leg of his. He, 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 he's the number one player in the league for um, long passes per 90. And what you get, Steve, is like, if you get a chance to watch an Elspeth game, this is like, it's almost like a picture or something, a baseball game. You know, he, he gets the ball. You can imagine the scene, right? The goalkeeper rolls out to him running usually. Akumu is about six foot five, I think. Swings this massive leg of his like a golfer and just boots a long pass up the field. Like he loves it. 13.4 long passes per 90. And it's like a quarterback. He boots it like literally the whole length of the field, pretty much. Um, sometimes it bounces out of play or, you know, it doesn't quite connect with his man. But sometimes it's like an absolute pinpoint pass to like a, a right winger or a left winger uh, or onto the head of this, you know, the, the forward. It's like he created a lot of play just through swinging that boot of his. Uh, really like a gazelle or something. It's un unbelievable like, um, <laughs> the way he plays football. Uh, and they picked him up from the USL in, in America, mate, second division of America. So some really good scouting there. Um, young player, 23. I think he can go on and, and, and really go to a high level. But um, I have to say, I'm a Hodzic for, for, for a 21-year-old, you know, hadn't really played a huge amount of games in Ospenskan before this. Uh, obviously, he'd, he'd moved abroad and, and came back. But um, he's been linked with Chelsea now. AC Milan have apparently made strong looks at him, uh, maybe to bring him alongside Jens Better Hauger. I can't look, I can't really overlook him. You know, really good in possession, 90% um, pass accuracy. Obviously, he was a key part of Malmo winning the title. So, you know, he stood up in big games. He's shown that he can play in a title-winning team. He's got the maturity, even though he's still young. Um, pretty good in the air. Not as good as the other two centre-backs, to be fair, but uh, pretty good. And, and, you know, also good defensive in terms of defensive duels one and interception. So really in a bit of an all-rounder, to be honest. And, um, you know, I can't overlook Lauritsen, but if I had to choose one, it would be Armel Hosech, I think. So let's talk about your, your central midfield then. You've gone for a couple of uh, sort of... Uh more conventional midfielders and an attacking midfielder as well. Take us through those three. Yes, I've gone for Anders Christensen, centre midfield. Can't overlook him. Don't need to say much, to be honest. He's probably the best player in the league. He's definitely the best player in the league, in my opinion, over, over a three-year stretch. Um, since we've been doing this podcast, he's easily, in my opinion, the most consistent player maybe in the whole of Scandinavia. Um, certainly Norway and Sweden, he'd have, he'd have a shout anyway. And 100% in Sweden, you know, he's always, always product produces. Um, could easily play in a higher league, in my opinion, but 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 has sort of got into a rhythm there at Malmo and finally wins the title um, after a few years of, of not winning. So I've gone for him, fairly fairly easy choice. Uh, I've gone for Dalaho Irendust as well at Beko Hakan. Now, you know, he's not had an amazing season, but I think I needed to have a Hakan player in there just because they had a, a fine campaign. They finished third, and I think he may be leaving, you know, at the end of the season. You know, I've always said it for many years, he's he's got the ability to go on. And I just feel like this could be his time. And statistically as well, it, I looked into the stats of him and he, you know, he is impressive. Um, expected assist for 90 is one of the top five, um, top six. So, you know, he deserves his place there in terms of, um, you know, expected assists, a decent dribbler as well. And also very creative in terms of, like I say, key passes. One of the top five again for key passes per 90 um, and through passes per 90, he's not too bad either. So, you know, he remains a very, very creative player. Um, Irandust, and I just feel like I hope now he moves on to sort of maybe Bundesliga 2 or 
maybe the Eredivisie because I think he's, I think he needs a new challenge. Um, but I just wanted to put him in because maybe for his contributions overall in in in, in over a period of time as well. Um, and he has had a fine season this year, and he's been very much a creative outlet for for Hacken as always. Yeah, good to see him in the side. I know he's been talked about on this podcast before, and um, a, a fine talent. Jackie midfielder, we've got a, a serious player uh, here, Stefano Vecchia, um, who I know, again, someone we've talked about a lot in this party. He's had an exceptional year, hasn't he? Yeah, and I couldn't really leave out a... Uh, I couldn't really... I had to give a shout-out to Sirius, I think. And uh, Vecchia, it could have been Yuya Sagita as well. He had a fine season. There's other players as well that you could name. Some of their defenders really did well in terms of um, progressing the ball out of play and that kind of thing. They're, they're, their playing style of, you know, trying to play through the lines trying to play entertaining, attacking football. It's really a team effort, but I think Vecchia is the, how shall I describe it? He's, he's the fulcrum, really. He's the main man, I think. He's the one who, um, Mohamed Saeed, who we had in the podcast, he named him as the best player in the league. Um, you know, some people may disagree, but, you know, that's someone who works with him day in, day out. So you've got to take that with a bit of seriousness as well. Um, 26 games, 12 goals, seven assists. That's the fine track record, you know, 19 goal contributions in, in, in 26 games. Can't knock that. And really, Vecchia has been around the block for a while. You know, he's a brother Poikina. He's been at Sirius for a while and never really done much. I remember in the preseason when I was doing my spreadsheets and stuff, I didn't really think too much of him. I thought, okay, he's all right. But he's really broken through this year. He's really, really shown his ability. He can play off the left, can play off the right, um, can dribble. He gets the ball, on, you know, plays on the half turn, attacks his man with aggression, you know, and then, then lays off a pass. Um, I'm trying to think of a player that he maybe reminds reminds sort of like a Mesut Ozil of or Svenska maybe potentially in the way he gets at players, but or maybe a Salah, someone like that. You know, is a, a sort of a hybrid between the two maybe. Um, there's been links that he may well go to Syria. You know, that's the sort of level that we're talking here in terms of where he might go next. A lot of rumours that he'll leave. Um, one of the serious players joked that he's the most secretive man in all of football because apparently he said he asked him where you're going next season and he wouldn't tell him. <laughs> so. Um, you know, it seems like there's definitely something bubbling there, but uh, Vecchia had to be in there, so I've put him as an attacking midfielder behind the front too. From Sirius to Serie A, that would be uh, that rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? But, Decent headline. A couple of strikers then in your team this year. You gone with the front two? Yeah, I've gone with the front two, and um, one of them is going to be Astrid Selmani, who was our player in focus recently, and has just made a massive move uh, from Vibe Boys. He's now moved to to Hammerby. They've won the race. It's been a been a big race to sign him, by the way, and it's been won by, as I say, Hammerby. They they've paid a record club record fee to sign him, so that just tells you, you know, how much they rate him and how highly rated he is in Osvenskan. A very very good player, in my opinion, Steve. I think he is a really really big signing for Hammerby. They've got a lot of strikers now, so I think I do wonder how they're going to fit everyone in next season. I'm not sure they did they really need a striker probably. But uh, you can never have too many good players, can you? But but um, I was a little bit surprised to see him land up there. Thought maybe Malmo might might take him. But uh, yeah, a really really good signing. I think um, you know, as I've said, he's 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 um, he's pretty much a complete package as, as a striker at this level. I think he could easily have gone on to to maybe even a foreign league. Uh, really really, just good in the box. He's a good finisher. He knows where the goal is. Uh, I think he's got a high margin of potential. I think he can even improve. So. I think he, they paid around eight hundred thousand euros for him, which is massive in Osvenskan for, for especially during this COVID age. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting signing that's been done. Varbo boys will make a nice fee, 
and they'll reinvest that and you know maybe move on 24 games 15 goals six assists for the youngster who's uh you know just turned 23 and he may well reboot hammerby next season because he is a really good player and then i've gone for pretty sort of easy choice here um he's at kisa at malmo i did consider christopher neiman you know and it was a it was a pretty maybe a difficult choice between the two of them because they've been very good and neiman i have to give him credit because I did kind of write him off a little bit at the beginning of the season. Um, said he doesn't really have the quality to lead the line at a top, top club. Um, I do still feel that really for a tight winning team, but but I have to say he proved me wrong to a certain extent this season um, and got a lot of goals. So so fair play to him. He was the top scorer in the league, 18 goals in the end. But uh, Keith Tellen with 14, I just think he his all-round game really was key to Malmo winning the league. Um, you know, as a, playing as a sort of out-and-out number nine, Malmo have lacked a really good goal scorer for quite a while, and I think he provided it this season. Uh, just, just the teeth. You know, Malmo are sort of. I've always thought they, in recent years, they're just a bit toothless. You know, nice football at times, bit, bit methodical, but no real teeth. Keith Tellen really provided that on loan, and um, he banged the goals in. Really clinical player. He can, he can, he can get the job done, and he did get the job done, and he, he's helped them win the league. We'll see if he comes back because he also gone back to Belgium now. He was on loan, but. Uh, those two strikers were really, really for me. They were the two best strikers in the in the league this season, all round. Brilliant. So, I mean, you you mentioned there actually that Salmani going to Hammerbeam perhaps surprises you a little bit, uh, but but there would have been a reason for it, and perhaps this links with your flop of the year coming up um, because it is actually Hammerbeam player. Yeah. Well, firstly, if I was going to name a uh, a twelfth man like you've done, it would be Isaac Bergman Johansson. I just want to give him a little bit of a shout out because I thought for a seventeen year old to do what he did. To get nine assists, you know, joint third highest assist in the league at, at, in your breakthrough season, your first ever season as a 17-year-old, you know, uh, that's something I've not seen very often in any top league, to be honest. So he needs a massive shout out and since you've got a 12 man, I may as well do it myself. Um, but yeah, uh, my flop of the season is Paulinho at Hammerby. Didn't work out. Just think, just think he had a poor season you know it was a lot of fanfare about it he obviously left Hacken he was such a club legend at Hacken you know I think he's a top scorer of all time maybe I'm pretty sure it was thought of uh, maybe a move that could take Hammerby to the next level maybe help them win the league but it's just really not worked out he's he's not really contributed that much um, I think he got three goals you know and it really it really summed it up on the opening day of the season you know and they played Ostersons in the first game and he I think he missed the penalty and um just see, there was something off from day one, really. Just didn't look quite right. And, you know, 16, he only played 16 games in the end. You know, three goals in 16 appearances. For, the, for that level of fanfare. And then, he, you know, progressively he was left out of the squad for quite a lot of the games. So, really, you know, it's not really worked out for him. His last goal was in August. It's just not, just not worked out. And I think um, given the overall general opinion that was there at the beginning of the year, it just didn't work out for him. It's not really his fault as well. You know, I think, like I say, Hammerby have a bit of a weird recruitment. They, they seem to be very top-heavy because um, Ludwigson came through and did really well. Uh, and they've got a lot of forwards. But, um, yeah, it just didn't work out for, for Paulino whatsoever. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how, like, if that, if that penalty had gone in the first game, it might have been different. Who knows? Uh, but, I mean, briefly, can he rebound? Well, he's 34, so, you know... <laughs> I'm 33 now. He can rebound to you know retirement home, but uh, 
you know, he's coming towards the end of his career now. And don't get me wrong, we're talking about a legend of Osvenskan here, the Brazilian. You know, he is, on his day, he was one of the best players to watch in, in Osvenskan for many years. You know, over 100 goals for Hakan, that's incredible. Um, I really like him in terms of the career he's had. He's a really exciting player. He can, you know, in his peak, Steve, this is probably why I named him, because in his prime, he was a fan- sensational player. And I think maybe Hakan's style, a bit more of a compact pitch, a bit easier to run vertically. You know, Hammerby's a big stadium. I think maybe he just didn't, when, when you're getting on as well, just the service wasn't all to him as well. You know, he didn't really complete many 90 minutes, to be honest. I think he only complete, completed 90 minutes four or five times in the entire campaign. So, you know, he, that really says it all. And he was shunting out of position as well when they started playing left wing. Just just didn't work. You know, it was just square peg in a round hole. So although he's had a fantastic career, I can't knock him. It just wasn't a year that really worked out for him. Basically, he's saying he's finished. He can't rebound. Um, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's finished. Because, for example, if they released him and he went to, say, Degafors or or Kalmar or someone like that, you know, he he, he could still be a focal point of a, of a lower-end team. But, I'm just, you know, with Salmani coming into Hammerby now, they've got Ludwigsen as well, who was quality this season. I just don't know where he's going to fit into this Hammerby side. And when you're getting on like that, you know, it's difficult. But don't get me wrong, Steve, he could easily go to a super retin side or, or a lower or Svenskan team and get sort of 10 goals again next season. He's, he's got a proven track record, but yeah, obviously, like you say, he's getting on a bit. Hold on a minute. You, you've said something there which in, intrigues me. Kalmar and Brazilians, they always get one. <laughs> this is, hey, I'm thinking that could work. That, that, uh, that can be his destination and he can rip it up at Kalmar. It could well be, mate. could well be, yeah. You know, maybe... He, Maybe we've done their scouting for them. You know, they often have this random recruitment. So, um, you know, if if Wasson is listening, one of our famous Kalmar supporters who listens to the podcast, you know, puts in touch with his sporting director, maybe we can start doing some uh, recruitment for you guys. But yeah, you know, someone like that would maybe suit him for one swan song in those fence game type thing. Yeah, but, um, yeah Hammerby, it just, it was too late in his career probably for it to really work out. All right, let's go on to your coaches of the uh, top three. Um, starters with the bronze medal. Yeah, I've got Marcus Lance as my third place. Um, the Mialbi coach, you know, what can you say about him? 1.7 um, points per game over, over the course of his you know time there. F- a phenomenal achievement, to be honest, at Mialbi to get them to finish where they did in the season, you know, fifth place above North Shopping, above Hammerby, above AIK, above EF Core. That's just for a newly promoted side. That's, that's dream stuff. Um, and I, I think they had a, Although they weren't talked about as much as serious, I did actually quite like their game style and their style of play. And I, I like quite a lot of their players. They had an interesting shape, you know, and, and they managed to sort of pick some decent players up. Um, players who had maybe something to prove, like Moses Ogbu and, and others. And um, Lance just moulded it all together. And I'm quite intrigued to see where he goes now because he basically left me out because he said he didn't agree with, or they, they said that they didn't agree, they couldn't agree with him on the vision for next season. That implies to me that maybe he, had higher ambitions maybe and they just wanted to keep it maybe um you know low key or maybe vice versa but um it seems like he's quite an ambitious coach so i'm interested to see where he he ends up now maybe nor shopping might want to have a word with him um but yeah he's my third place uh your second place coach i actually thought the guy you put in second was going to win your coach of a year award considering their significant overachievement mm, no um I've gone for Jimmy Tellin, and I probably have to apologise to him because I have slated him at times in previous years. Um, 
I'm surprised he made it this long at Elfsborg, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, I thought for quite a while they were just a drab bit of nothingness and I questioned where they're going. I just felt like, for, for, I think he's, I don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes there, but I think he, I'll give you an equivalent, right? He To me, he's a little bit like Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. Not in style, but in terms of young coach, bigger reputation. Um, he, you know, he got the Elseworld job, which is quite a big job, to be honest, um, off the back of his time at Yon Shopping, where he got them relegated, of course, um, when they were in Osvenskan in 2017, I think it was 2017 or 2018. And, um, you know, he got this big job and he just sort of, not really much happened at Elfsport for the last few seasons, you know, sort of lower mid-table finishes, nothing really going on. And I think if you look at sort of Arteta, he would have, Arteta might get sacked now, right? But Jimmy Tellen has almost had the grace of just getting three seasons to, to put in his philosophy. You know, he's, he's, he's a young coach who's thought of as quite a, a progressive coach in terms of his ideas, you know, his ideas for the game and style of play. So it's almost quite similar to Arteta in that sense, in that it will be almost like Arsenal giving Arteta three years from now and just accepting 14th, you know, 13th for the next few seasons with the hope that in three years he'll finish second. Um, that's basically what Jimmy Tennant's done this season because it's all clicked into gear this season with them. And they've got they've had some really good recruitment, I think, this season. Like I say, I've got two of their players in my team of the season. Um, both of them were signed this season, Larson and Nakumu. Obviously, Jesper Carson really came of age and he got his big move. They've had other, other players who've come in and done really well. And I just think that Tellin's moulded it all together and, um, you know, they've managed to get themselves into the Europe now. So they'll be in the Europa Conference League next season. And, you know, fair play to him. I have to hold my hands up and say, you know, this season he's got it right. So, you know, fair play to Elsborg for really backing him and, and keeping faith in him when maybe there was pressure during the past two seasons. Yeah, I think it's an example of patience in football. Can work sometimes, can't it? Um, I mean, I was watching MLS recently, the, the team that won it this year, Columbus Crew, their manager uh, had a period last year where he lost something like 14 out of 16 games. Um, a, a, a club that expected quite big things, but they, they stuck with him and he's come and won them the MLS Cup this year. Sometimes, you know, it pays not to make knee-jerk reactions, I must say, and, and probably an example there at Elsborg. So, well done to Jimmy uh, Tellin. Uh, coach of the season then, uh, you've gone with uh, with John Jar Thomason. Yeah, I had to in the end, really, and... Um... I mean, it's quite an obvious choice, and he's won the league, and I just felt like he has to he has to get it. Partly because, like I say, I, I didn't really I had a lot of question marks about him in, in in preseason. I wasn't sure if he was the man for for Malmo to turn it around. But really, you know, I read a, an interesting um, comment which I sort of did agree with. He's he's he's, he's managed to mold mold that um, Uwe Rosler hard nose sort of very defensive style of play. I think it was Christensen that said it himself. Um, he's managed to mold that defensive minded, disciplined. Malmo with a kind of Dutch philosophy that he's come from, um, you know, he's obviously a Feyenoord uh, hero and he's been coaching in, in, in the Netherlands for quite some time. Um, and he's managed to bring in that sort of maybe Dutch style of play offensively, you know, possession based, um, a lot of high turnovers, that kind of thing. Maybe not, you know, Dutch aren't renowned for maybe high pressing, but they are renowned for that kind of uh, fluid style up front. And he's really brought that into Malmo um, and molded the two to, to win the league. So, you know, um, one of the Malmo players recently described him really in harsh terms. I think it was Rasmus Benson. I can't remember who, but um, he said that uh, he treated him like a rat. Mm. And at the beginning of the season, that was the feeling. You know, there was a real, there was a few players that he rubbed up the wrong way. And, you know, they had a few words. Adi Nalic was one of them as well. He was left on the bench for a while. And it was really sort of my way or the highway, I think, from Thomas. And it was really like, if you, if you, you either blind to my ideas or you're out. And 
that was when I was analysing them at the beginning of the season. I was like, I'm not sure which way this, this is going to go. But to be fair to him, it went his way. And he is, he's imposed his style, he's imposed his philosophy, he's imposed his vision on the club. And it's, you know, it's the players who haven't bought into that, they've been discarded. So fair play to him. He's won those battles because you do have to win those personal battles, don't you? You have to establish yourself on, on the dressing room, um, you know, and Im- impose yourself. And he's done that and he's won the league and um, fair play to him. Malmo champions and he, he deserves praise. I think very well said there, actually, Jonathan. Really good um, analytical description of him. And, and, and we must uh, thank you for your uh, excellent wisdom on the uh, Alsvenskan and Swedish uh, matters this year, as usual. You've covered the league very, very well. Uh, I just want one more question before we move on to the final section about uh, John Dahl Thomason here. You, uh, you mentioned that history has got a fine order in places. He does have a history in, in, in some decent European clubs. Could you see him sort of managing teams like that in the future? Has he got the mentality? Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, there was a really uh, interesting podcast. I think it was Football Ramble, maybe. can't remember who. But uh, they, they did a, a show where they said um, they felt they've had an exclusive interview with him and, and, and he's talked about potentially move, you know moving to, um, for example, Feyenoord. I think that he's been quite highly linked with and he's been linked with quite a few other teams in, in Eredivisie. Um, I think he'll give it the Champions League. I think he'll have a crack with it this next season. But I could see him, he, you know, because he's got a big name, isn't it? It's one of them where, when you've got a big name, doors open for you in football. You know, he's he's what you know, he's a, he's a, a legend at AC Milan, that kind of thing. You know, he's a famous name, isn't he? And I think sometimes that opens more doors than it would if you're, you know, a player who's maybe or a manager who's maybe not as well known. So I think he will get those opportunities. I think I could see him in Eredivisie. He may even have ambitions to maybe say manage Newcastle, where he played, for example. And you know, who knows? Mm. You know. That wouldn't be unthought of, would it? If, if he went to Newcastle, it wouldn't be out of the question. No. But if it was a normal manager coming from more Svenskan to, to Newcastle, they'd be they'd be questioned, wouldn't they? So that just tells you when you've got a playing career behind you that you get that extra bit of clout. Yeah. So um, I think he'll, he's shown signs this season that he could have a, a good managerial career, in fact. You know, more better than I expected. So I have to give him praise for that. And, um, you know, next season, he obviously has to win the league again and, and go again at Malmo. And it'll be interesting to see how they do in the Champions League. But for now, he's certainly, um, you know, he's uh, his stock is high. All right, brilliant. All right, we're going to finish off with some more Christmas crackers here. Christmas cracker number three. And uh, are you going to pull this one for us then, Jonathan? Yep, I'm going to hand it over to you. Because yeah. uh, I've spoken so much this last 30, 40 minutes. That I'm going to I'm gonna crack it and let you open it. Right, so... Well, I'm going to let you answer it anyway. So let me just see what is behind this cracker here. And it is top three meats. Oh wow, this is well. I mean, how long have we got? We haven't got long. <laughs> I need a whole We're going to give it a minute of each. A minute of each. We go. I need a whole podcast on top three meats. Uh, before you answer your question, uh, we have had one from Ted Cruz, my son, who says it's top three meats in this order. Number one, no, number three, salmon. Number two, chicken. Number one ham. So, Meat Man's Hockey got thirty seconds. Take it away. Uh, number one is beef, specifically steak. <laughs> number t- number two, I will agree there. Chicken. You can do a lot with chicken. Three. Like, what the hell do I choose? Um, I don't know what the hell to choose, mate. I could I could go from pheasant to partridge to ham to some sort of fish and. I, 
But what do you think about that? Let, let's just, you know, you haven't got it long. But where, where does the name Meat Man Soccer come from for those listeners who might be wondering? You know, what is this background of meat? Are you, is it, are you, do you have a history in butchers? Well, yeah, this is a long, a long time ago. I was, um, I once won a meat eating contest at school. Right? This was like for something like children in need or comic relief. Um, when I was like year 11 or 12 or something like that. And um, basically you had a certain amount of meat on your plate and the person who ate it quickest won. It wasn't that much on. It was just, it was all, anyway, so I won that. Um, around that time, I had a stint in the local butchers, um, just doing a few odds and ends, you know, not not front of shop or anything like that. But, you know, you learn a few things, don't you? And around that time, I was sort of, some people kind of call me, oh, meat man, you know, it kind of, kind of suck a bit. Um, and it was around that sort of time I was sort of, you know, online, I was sort of, a lot of my usernames on like forums and stuff, I thought, why not? I'll use it, Meat Man, Meat Man Soccer. And it's the ne- a name that's stuck online. It's not a name that's really stuck with me sort of in my personal life, not around here anyway. Um, that sort of name's gone away. But uh, because, uh, you know, the online name stayed there, that's where it's kind of come from. And, of course, I am in. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Meat, for sure. Yeah, and just a quick anecdote when we met. Uh, I mean, do you want to tell the legendary Man Soccer story? <laughs> Well, my Twitter name was changed for a week, I do believe, wasn't it? Or something like that. I was Gloveman Soccer for a week due to a forfeit I had to do. Yeah, now this is a story that is a legendary story between uh, myself and Steve. You know, really cements our friendship for a long time. We had a bit of a, a previous job that we worked at. We had a, a long-running sort of rivalry, didn't we? A bit like Federer and Nadal, but it was on the table tennis court uh, where we where we had our battles uh, during breaks at work and stuff like that. And uh, I remember it because you, you found a glove randomly on the train. <laughs> and I always remember you, t- you tweeted on your way down from Harrogate, wasn't it, or Leeds or wherever. Yeah. And you tweeted on the train, you just found a glove in like the toilets or something of the of, like, some train, some, the 2.30 from Harrogate. And uh, I think you, 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 you kept them for yourself, didn't you? And uh, you brought them into work. And I said, I think we had a game. And I said, if you, if you lose this table tennis match, You've got to change your name to Gloveman Soccer for a week, and you've got to change your bio and your and your your picture profile picture to a glove. And uh, just tell the listeners who who won that game of table tennis. Steve. Well, the glo- I found this pair of gloves on. No, just tell them who won. Who who won that table tennis? Well, that it was a it was a best of three sets. <laughs> you took the decider um, to beat me two sets to one, so I did have to uh, do the forfeit. Uh, and become Gloveman Soccer for a week. <laughs> it was an epic game, wasn't it? That was a serious like that the whole I remember I remember that match because everybody was watching it. Like it was almost like like, you know, we had actual actual crowd watching us. I had match points in that game. Yeah, you had match point. It was like it was we both had multiple match points. It went on like it wasn't like just a normal scoreline. It went like twenty six, twenty four or something. Yeah, the third set was an epic. It's crazy. I gave you a flashing in the first game, but yeah, it was a, it was an epic third set. And uh that's where Glove Man Soccer came from, but uh, that is very, very, very classic. But yeah, so we we'll, so we got your top three meats there as beef, chicken, and what's pheasant? Yeah, why not give pheasant a bit of? Uh... Fair enough, fair enough. Let, let's run through them because we've got four or five more before we end the show. It's, this is a seriously long episode, by the way. But uh, do you want to do the honors on on the next one? The next cracker is going to be 
top three USA cities or states? Now, this is a question from at here for football, I think it is. Yeah, uh, Team Overs, yeah. Team Overs, he's asked, what are your top three cities in America? Now, well, no, city or state in America you'd like to visit? Have you ever been to America? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been to New York, been to Miami, been to a few other places. Uh, I think if I had to name one I'd like to visit, it'd probably be Atlanta or Arizona for some reason. You know why? Because I saw I saw um, Arizona Cardinals. You know that the 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 um, you know the like behind the scenes Amazon Prime documentaries. Oh yeah, the hard knock. Yeah. I saw the Amazon Arizona Cardinals one, and I, I was like, yeah, that looks quite, quite a nice sort of um place to be honest. And Atlanta because I quite like hip hop, and uh, I'm always quite intrigued by the Southern culture in in America. I've never 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 been there, so. Um, but America's are quite a really, it's so different, isn't it? You know, going to New York compared to Miami, like it's like literally completely different countries. Really I've lived there for yeah. separate stints. My wife is American. Um, uh, but I, you know what? Funny enough, I'm going to agree with you here. Three that I would like to visit. Arizona is definitely up there um, for me. Um, there's a, just something about that desert environment that really attracts me. There's good golf courses there. Um, the Grand Canyon's not too far away, is it? It's Nevada, isn't it? The Grand Canyon, but um, maybe there. California, I've always wanted to go to California as well. Yeah. A lot to do. I mean, it's a massive state, full stop. And I've also heard that um, it's a completely different part of America, uh, that Maine up there on the northeast coast is incredibly beautiful and uh, a really underrated state. So they're the top three states, I would say. Yeah, I've never been to LA as well, which is an interesting one. But, you know, at this moment in time, America, you know, you probably probably want to avoid it don't you with the uh, number of cases at the moment it's really quite sad situation uh, to be honest but yeah there's some beautiful scenery beautiful cities aren't there and uh, I'm a big basketball fan so when I went to um, Miami obviously went to see the heat that was uh, many years ago now but I really enjoyed that so if I was ever to visit again it would certainly be checking out you know the the sports out there because that's a major factor and I, I really enjoyed that Arizona Cardinals show by the way um, yeah it was a really nice insight into American sports so I'm going to open up, unless you've got anything to add there, Steve, but I'm going to open up one more. And I think this is a football one. I'm just opening it now. And the following, the next cracker is, it's a question, actually. It's, uh, it's about Casper Juncker. And it's from FPL Oakwell, at FPL Oakwell, who says, Hi guys, could you name, can you see any names making their way to England from your lists? And plenty of championship clubs have been linked with Juncker, including my own, which is Barnsley. I bloody love it if he turned up in January. So take it away on Casper Juncker. Steve, he's been linked with Celtic, hasn't he, among others? Yeah, I mean, we, obviously we talked about him in the team of the season earlier, but um, this is more of a question of could he adapt to what sort of leagues he could adapt to. And I certainly think English Championship level, there's no reason why he can't score goals. As long as he's given the right sort of service, that's the thing. Um, he's been involved in an amazing team which has created tons of chances and he's put them away nicely, but... And he's very clinical. He's got a great um, shot conversion rate in terms of shots on target. So I think he can definitely uh, do a job at championship level. Uh, he's like a three-dimensional striker, complete forward. He can do whatever role you want him to do, really. So you've got you just got to say, sometimes it's hard with players, isn't it? What is their ceiling? And I think with Juncker, it's difficult to say what his ceiling is. But I think definitely right now he can play championship level. He can play SPL level. Um, and would be a very good acquisition for someone, probably on the cheap, probably only going to cost them a couple of million, maybe three. Um, players always seem to become really cheap from 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 Norway, don't they? So it'd be a good signing, I think, for, for Barnsley. 
yeah, and it, you know, he's ended the season with um, a very, very nice, a very, very nice goal tally. And obviously, he's won the league first time in their history. And in terms of teams we've been linked with, there's a lot of interest from reportedly Derby, Barnsley, Celtic, and a few others. So Middlesbrough apparently are linked as well. Crystal Palace, Bristol City, West Brom, Swansea City. So that is some shortlist, isn't it? If it was football manager, it would be a bit of a long shortlist there. Steve, of all those teams, in a word, which team would you, or if you want a you know, brief sentence, where where would you see him going out of all those clubs mentioned? Um, Celtic are always on, on about selling, what's he called, isn't he? Um, their main striker. Forget what he is Austin now. Edward. Yeah, they're always on about selling him. So if he went... Maybe they're looking for someone. So I'll say that Celtic. Great stuff. Well, I know that won't please you as someone who's a bit of a Rangers fan, aren't you? But uh, <laughs> yeah, to the next cracker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am not a great old firm full stop for support. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on to another Christmas cracker. And there's an interesting name that's popped out of this cracker. I don't know how he's appeared here. He's kind of like an old ghost of Sweden, but Tino Kadawiri. Yes, big Tino. I wanted to, well, I did throw him into the hat for to, for a very thir- quick 30-second shout-out because I, I need to, you know, this is one of the things in this podcast, isn't it? We, we see these players come through, we watch them, we enjoy them, and then they move on. The past is new, never to be spoken about again on this show until unless they come back with their tail between their legs. From Belgium. So, yeah, so... um well, I wanted to give a shout out to Tino Kadawiri because what he's doing at, at Leon has been really, really impressive. And funnily enough, um, there's been a lot of praise in Sweden for him this week. Eurogarden, um, Bossa Anderson at Eurogarden has come out and praised him and said that, you know, we need another player like Kadawiri, basically, and given him a lot of praise. And yeah, just the things he's doing, Kadawiri, you know, at Leon, scoring the winner against PSG. Um, also in the derby as well, came on and scored two goals, didn't he, against Santa Etienne. Uh, you don't often get that, do you, with 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 players? Uh, so, yeah, I, I love him. He's probably one of my favourite players I've watched during this time of this podcast. Um, just a really nice guy. You know, it was really tragic. He obviously lost his brother, I think, this year. Um, you know, who passed away. So, I just wanted to give him a bit of a shout out and a bit of a throwback. I'm sure your garden fans will will not mind me throwing out that name, uh, Tino Kadawiri, because he is a bit of a bit of a diff legend. Did really well at the half. Great signing for Leon. Scored the winner at the Parc de France recently against PSG. He's um, he's really he's one of them that's as good as we as you as we thought he, he was going to become. Yeah, and he was in my team of the season. I think about two years ago, and it's really nice just seeing players uh, that you really rate sort of taking that next step, isn't it? You often in Sweden, you often or in Scandinavia sometimes they they take one big move, but they never go on, do they? So for kind of weird to go, like you said, to La Havre and then go on to Lyon and then go to sort of Champions League level beating teams like PSG. You know, I'd really love to see him take the next step maybe and end up maybe Premier League or wherever. So, yeah, just wanted to give Big Tino a shout out. Next cracker then. What's coming out of this one? Let me open it up. And it is Favourite Chocolates. We've had a few replies about this, haven't we? Favourite Christmas chocolates. And we've got quite a few here. Uh, I'm actually eating a Kit Kat Chunky as we speak. So, although it might not be one of my favourites, I think uh, it's definitely up there. But uh, we've had quite a few listeners 
tweet in their favorite chocolates. I'm going to name some of them while you think about your favorite, Steve. Uh, we've got YZ09 Hayfish. He says Milky Way, Galaxy Caramel, and Twirls. That's a what do you think of that, Steve? It's a decent, decent selection. In, in the tube of celebrations, Galaxy Caramel is my favorite celebration. Although the actual big bar of Galaxy Caramel, I'm not so sure about. But at Barisha Show, Barisha 57, he says Whisper Gold, Lint Chocolate Bar, Kit Kat Dark Chocolate. Decent selections. Mm, decent. CJ, Ted Cruz, my son, aka uh, Odin's creation. There's Toblerone, Twix, and Mounds. No, I don't even know what mounds are, to be honest. <laughs> well, not I don't. I've never heard of mounds of the chocolate bar, anyway. They the ones mixed with raisins. I'm not sure. Tweet us in. It's great. Um, if you if you listen to this, tell us what they are. But uh, Toblerone, I'm a big fan of Toblerone. Uh, Toblerone, I always used to get it when I went to like the airport if I went on holiday or something. Yeah, definitely an airport chocolate. I think I'm a big fan of. I, I sort of go in phases with chocolates, but Maltesers are, are definitely up there. Um, yeah, um, we, that's another very nice uh, thing in the celebrations box is Maltesers. Um, I, I would go, for me, uh, Galaxy Ripple I'm a big fan of. Uh, Lint Chocolate, I think someone else suggested that, and I agree with them. Lint Chocolate is delicious. And then, um, something like, do you know what? I'm, I'm impartial to a bit of Kinder Chocolate as well, Kinder like Bueno or something. I do have a sweet tooth, though, Jonathan. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm partial to, to some chocolate. Definitely, um, you know, I like curly whirlies. I don't know if you get them in Scandinavia or USA. Bit of toffee. Curly whirlies. Bit of a blossom of past, eh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, crunchies as well. Big fan. I like crunchies, yeah. Mm. Caramax I like, but they're not really a chocolate. They're more caramel, but uh, I mean, we could go on for quite a while on Christmas chocolates. Quality Street. What, 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 which one do you throw out? Would be quality street. Which ones do you eat first? Uh, God, oh my, I can't. I don't, what is there's a one of the toffees in the, in the, in the quality street is like an annoying toffee off the top of my head. I can't remember. Uh, I don't have, I don't really have many quality streets. They're not too bad, are they? They're better than roses, aren't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think for me, celebrations are the best of the, of the mainstream tubs and milk trays underrated as well. <laughs> I don't like heroes. I don't like roses. Um, there's a there's a few good ones in Quality Street actually. Fair enough. Tweet us at Nordic Football and let us know your favourite Christmas chocolates. What do they have in Norway or Sweden for Christmas as well as chocolates? Let us know. Uh, we've got a few more here before we end this bumper show. Uh, I've got one here, Steve. I'm just going to read it out to you. It might be a name that you're quite familiar with. Uh, Philip Zinkenagel. Do you want to have a special mention for Zinkenagel now? Is that was that the thinking? Yeah, of course, Zinkenagel deserves a special mention on his own, and you can read in the Wisecut vlog how good he's been this year. Um, and I, I think there's, we always get every week get a question about him coming into the podcast about you know where where can he move to, what level can he can he get to, and the world probably is, he's oyster really. I think I've said before I'd like to see him rock up in Holland. I think the Dutch league would. He needs to be in a league where it's a good offensive league, where um, there's a lot of chances and he's going to be given a lot of space. Uh, so I think that would be a great league for him. I, the Bundesliga. If any team was to take him on, then Bundesliga one, sort of bottom half team maybe could take him on. I think that'd be a good uh, fit for him as well. And you know, we talk about England. Uh, certainly, he could play in the Championship and maybe even bottom end uh, Premier League. To be honest, although it's a bit harder, isn't it, to step up in, in class and quality. 
is there. But th those, I think, would be his best destinations. Uh, I mean, we keep getting talk about Turkey and whatnot. I mean, this is probably the one episode I wouldn't mind talking about Turkey, um, being it a Christmas episode. But, you know, I hate it's like Belgium steals stuff off Swedish uh, talent. Turkey always nicks the, the Norwegian lot. So, um, yeah, stay away from there, Philip, is what I would say. But um, I think he can really progress. The next career move, like you said, Kadawira to La Havre. At the time, looked a bit weird, didn't it? And you're thinking, mm, what's he doing going there? But it actually was a fantastic stepping stone move. I think Philip Zingenagel, he needs that next move now to be a really good stepping stone. Anyone coming out, you know, with talent, need the next move is the most important one. Yeah, I have to say he probably is the most asked about player this season, isn't he? Every week we seem to get a question about the Zinc. So um, hopefully he, well, I can't see him sticking around really, can you? But uh, we will keep an eye on him as we have with Tino Cadareri. I'm going to open up the next one. And we've only got a couple more now before we wrap up this huge Christmas show. And it is, let's have a quick look. Favourite Nordic accounts of the year. So let's give a shout out to people that we've enjoyed this season, uh, whether it's Twitter accounts or people you've come across in general, let's let's share some love. Yeah, um, let's do, do do three. Uh, I'm just going to do three. I mean, there's a, a few others that I, I don't want to leave people off, but three Twitter accounts I think a uh, big fan of in Norway. Ben Wells, I'm going to have to shout him out. Yes, he was a guest on, on the podcast recently. Fantastic um, uh, Norwegian knowledge up there. Uh, he's, he's a great uh, all-round, uh, you know, whatever league up there, be it Obos or below, Norwegian national team. Uh, and, and his tweets are fun and they're, um, they're informative. Ben Wells is, is a great one. A couple of others as well. I just want to talk about David uh, Weatherston, um, who has a betting blog. Um, and I've been following this blog. It's, 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 it's a different style to the sort of previews I do. Um, David is, is looking at sort of a combination of bets like corners and, and stuff like that, goal scorers, and, and he's done really well. Um, he usually uh, posts something up for around a couple of days before, so plenty of time to read through it, and there's some good analysis. And I've been dead impressed with, with, with David's work. So, um, yeah, ex football pro now in Norway, well worth uh, looking at his blog like a weatherstone dot uh, blogspot.com and uh, i've been impressed there and, and the third one I, i'm gonna shout out uh, this is uh, the, the uh, elite Italian fantasy who uh, i'm not actually sure who was in the top three in our league but um Heskibo, who's uh, always been great uh, interacting with with myself or the nordic account or even yourself um who and there's a lot of guys that have come from fantasy premier league jonathan and embraced elite Serian fantasy the last two or three years. And it's great having him across. There's some great discussions, but I especially like Heskibo's account. He's, he's even dabbed in a, a bit of podcasting himself and um, he's really knowledgeable about the game and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, just three accounts that stand out for me this year. There's a few others out there as well, FPL Viking and, and stuff like that. And um, But there's a, there's a really good community up there now and, and the elite Australian fantasy has definitely helped expose the league to, to more English speakers yeah 100% and uh, some some really good names there it's, it's it's really for me it's really hard to narrow it down and I'm no doubt going to miss some people I think uh, so I almost I'm almost tempted to not do this because I know I'm going to miss a couple of people but I think definitely want to give a shout out to some regular listeners I think Ted Cruz ate my son at Odin's creation always there for us also managed to get a guest appearance. Uh, good luck. Well, shout out to you. 
um, you know, did really did really well supporting us, even though your Twitter account was closed. I think um, need to give <clears throat> need to give a thank you to some of the people who appeared on the show this year, like managers and that kind of thing. So obviously Ian Birchnell, a big thank you to him for for joining us on on the Just Football podcast. But obviously it was mainly to talk, talk about Norway and Sweden at the time. Um, Sean Constable and many others we've had on the show, Axel Kial and others. Uh, I'm a big fan of a new account that I saw recently called at, just getting the name. There's a new account recently, and I've seen a lot of these sort of analytics accounts coming up in, in, in Osvenskan. Um, one that's caught my eyes at Yon Shady, and he started doing tweets and blogs about, about uh, Osvenskan, and I quite like his style, quite like what he's doing. Um, so well done to him. Uh, Pat Scout, I think, has been a, a loyal follower, and you know, I think he always comes up with interesting insights. Uh, Joe Gould, I have to give him a shout as well. Obviously, designer of our new logo, can't can't uh, overlook him. And phew, there's so many others. I think one thing about this season, there's a real community growing in terms of Scandinavian football. Um, I think we've we've gained a, a quite a large following in, over the last year or so in terms of you know new people following us and, and listening to the show. I know there's a lot of people within football who who listen to the, to the podcast now. So, you know, a shout out to all of them who have connected to us and, you know, feel free to DM us or, or email us or tweet us um, to connect because we're always happy to talk to people about football, aren't we, Steve? So there's so many. I'm sh- Like I said, I'm sure I've missed out some and I'm going to kick myself as soon as this podcast ends. But uh, there's just a few that I'd like to say hello to. Oh, yeah. And, and of our loyal, loyal supporters, anyone on Patreon as well, Really want a big a big shout to, to them, um, and, and you know you're right. There's been some really loyal supporters right from day one, and, and Joe Golden and Ted Cruz stand out as two lads um, who have been right there. And big thanks to Joe for the logo once more. Um, but yeah, anyone on Patreon, Charlotte Patson, there's been great interaction, some great questions from her this year. Yeah, Tom Sutton, few yeah. others as well feel like we're missing loads here often if we have then well, if you support us on patreon we really appreciate you 100 percent. don't forget to go to patreon.com slash nordic football podcast if you want to buy us uh, a couple of kit kat chunkies for christmas or maybe a, a bex or a, a hoe garden and <laughs> uh, neil baxter I have to give a shout out to as well um jimmy schlisting as well i have to give a shout out to him um tim capel of course the eurosport commentator who joined us for an episode uh mohammed saeed as well that's serious who joined us for an episode so yeah, so many. I'm sure we'll come back and review it. Uh, before we go, we're going to now crown the winners of the Osvenskan Fantasy League, aren't we? And even the Elite Serian. Yeah, we are. Um, I'm going to start with with Elite Serian. And um, do, do you know what? Before I leave off, remind me to talk about the person who finished bottom of the entire contest. <laughs> this is incredible. Not in our pod. Oh, we've got to do our pod as well. But the person who finished bottom of the entire 33,000, because uh, it's an incredible story. That, anyway, our own Nordic Football Pod League, uh, it was won by Tote Amitsbolds, uh, who's a player at Holgersund, who scored 2,096 points, and he finished one point above OCD All-Stars, who finished 2,095. And he's a player. No, he's, the, the, the team name is named after a player. Oh, right, OK. Ash. Andy Nash is the name of the manager. Right, I was going to say. Uh, so OCD All-Stars, second place. I think he was up there last year in the top three as well. And a great name, actually, uh, for from Heskibo's uh, team. It's called Teheland Backer. <laughs> I really always like that team name. 2088, so it was really close between them, them top three 
in our league. I actually finished sixth this year. Um, I finished 258th overall, which is okay, I suppose, isn't it? It's in the top 300. Um, I suppose I'm going to have to mention who did finish bottom of our league. And it was on 992 points. And it was at JF Football. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, no comment. I, I think I, I chose my team and that was it for the season. <laughs> I was done. So, um, yeah. Got a wooden spoon for me, relegation. What, who's, who finished bottom of the whole thing? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's something really weird about about this. Um Actually, I need to find it up. Can you talk about the Osvenskan one? Okay, yeah. Um, so in the Osvenskan, uh, I'll get my revenge on you in a minute, Steve. Don't you worry. But uh, firstly, let's go for the top five. It was in, in this order, reverse order. Number five with 1,695 points, James Rowland, the Starlings. Number four with 1,699 points, Lewis Brookens, 70s retro. Taking the bronze medal, 1,710 points. Heya Nardia, uh, that's the team name, and the player's name is Eric Tanberg. Well done to you for the bronze. Again, it's OCD All-Stars. Second place, 1,735 points. So two, he is very good. Two silver medals, JS, his name is. Uh, step forward if you want to name yourself JS. But the winner this year, taking over from last season's winner, it, with 1,771 points, is quite a, quite a distance. It's Gerardo Lopez Lozada. Wow. With Frick Show. So, pretty decent name as well, Pear Frick. Uh, yes, you are the winner. I'm, I'm assuming it's maybe a Spanish name or I'm not sure exactly where you're from, but wherever you're from, if you do listen to this, drop us a, a tweet and, you know, come and claim the plaudits of being the 2020 Allsvenska Nordic Football Podcast Fantasy Champion. Well done to you. This right, so the bottom person in the elite Assyrian fantasy is overall ranked thirty four thousand eight hundred and five, the lowest in the whole competition. It's a weird one because the previous season this person scored at one thousand five hundred and six points, which is all right. It's not a bad number at all. This season, his overall points tally is minus nine hundred and twenty eight. Now, <laughs> looking at this number, I'm like, how on earth do you get to minus nine hundred and twenty eight points? I mean, is is it someone taking the piss or what? But Basically, it's because he made so many transfers in the season. Like one game week, he made 18 transfers, for example. Wow. 10 the next week, 12 the, the, the week after. But it's just this person's playing serious stuff. Like they've just played their uh, two captains in, in, in the last round. So this is the weirdest thing I've ever come across. Minus 928 points. It, do they not know the point system? Are they having a laugh or what? It's the strangest thing I've ever come across, uh, Jonathan. But I think I think uh, that is quite strange. But uh, I know one. I don't know who that person is personally, but I do know who the person is who finished bottom of the Osvenskan Fantasy League Nordic Football Podcast, and that is a guy called Meat Man Soccer Steve Wiss. Bottom of the table. It's back-to-back relegations for the boys on the show. Pretty shocking, isn't it? I mean, um, whereabouts were you in this league, by the way, this season? <laughs> I didn't have a great season, but I did not finish bottom, so uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I, my ambition next season is to come off the basement. Um, 
Imagine if I was to beat you. That yeah. is an embarrassing relegation for for us uh, both. But uh, that is it. It's been a two-hour show. I uh, wasn't quite expecting this. I definitely think I need to lie down. I've, I've finished my beer. Going to finish off my Kit Kat Chunky. But um, yeah, like just want to sort of give a massive shout out to everyone who's listened to the show this year. It's obviously been a great 2020. It's been very challenging in many areas, isn't it? It's not been the best of years in many ways for people. But uh, hopefully we've given you a bit of sunshine in, in an otherwise turbulent year. And, uh, you know, the season's done well, I think, to finish. It's, uh, you praised the... Uh, way it was organized in Norway I have to give praise as well in Sweden maybe it's not been quite handled as well as Norway in terms of the pandemic but but um, certainly managed to get not so many cases in the league and and the, the games managed to come off quite well and, and the season was finished you know pretty much to, to schedule so you know well done to the Osvenskan and the authorities for, for sorting all that out uh, and obviously thanks to yourself Steve always a pleasure doing the pub with you and uh, yeah you know go on iTunes Spotify please subscribe or leave a comment and give us a, a nice rating uh, and also, like I say, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast if you want to, you know, give us a coffee or a beer to to, to sort of um, thank us for, 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 the, for the series if you've enjoyed it. But obviously, the podcast will remain free, as always. And we got some big plans for 2021. So, um, yeah, like I say, have a very Merry Christmas. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this super special episode. Yeah, uh, I would echo what you said there, Jonathan. And it's been a pleasure uh, working with you, as always. I wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and uh, a prosperous 2020. Uh, it's got to be a better year than 20, uh, sorry, 2021. It's got to be better than 2020, right? Um, but yeah, watch out for us in, in the new year from the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, I'll say goodbye. Yeah, and like I say, um, just very quickly, you can find us on Twitter at Nordic Football. Uh, Meet Man Soccer, uh, Steve is uh, on Twitter at Meet Man Soccer. And I'm on Twitter, Jonathan Faduba at JF Football, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. You can also you must email us nordicfootpod at gmail.com. Uh, but for now, that's it for now. Signing out. Have a great Christmas. Hope you've enjoyed these crackers. Have a fantastic uh, time with your family or wherever you'll be. And we'll see you probably in the new year. So for now, from everyone here, goodbye.